Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, the sports animals in the morning on ESPN Honolulu. We're the sports animals. <laughs> Haven't heard us in a long time on the radio. Yeah. We're back here on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. We welcome you to the start of, uh, well, National Fortune Cookie Day. And and coming up, I, I know you're going to want to see hear this, but coming up, we've got some, some of the best classic fortunes from actual fortune cookies coming up in a moment. One of them, like imagine you pull out a fortune, a, a little paper out of a cookie, and the fortune reads, run. <laughs> that was actually a fortune. My anyway, mother believes in those. Oh, that's okay. Um, anyway, three things you, we're going to cover today besides, well, Mountain West Media Days, they continue, and we've got, got a bunch of coaches on the docket to join us. In fact, one in just a few minutes. Yeah, Brent Brennan from San Jose State. It'll be fun talking to him. We had him on our show before Hawaii played them last year in San Jose State, so it'll be good catching up with him. And uh, later on, Craig Bull, the Wyoming coach, has been there a pretty long time. He might be leading the conference in seniority. I have to check on that, but he's been there quite a while at uh, Wyoming. Okay, uh, let's see. We have got um, the start of the FIFA Women's World Cup. USA, USA. I had almost forgotten. I think I go through this every World Cup. It's it's an incredibly big event. That doesn't need to be said. But at the beginning of it, I'm just waiting for the U.S. team to play. They'll play tomorrow, Friday, at 3 p.m. our time against Vietnam. But once it starts, it's obviously a very, very big event. It's kind of an Olympic-type deal with all these countries around the world. And I'm glad the USA women's team is the favorite again. Yeah, and we kind of pay attention because we're actually in women's soccer. We're good. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Uh, so, yeah, that action is going on. The uh, British Open, well, it used to be called the British Open. The Open Golf Tournament has begun. It's underway. Yeah, it's always a fun one. Liverpool is the, is the place, uh, the site this year. I know they've got a par three hole that, according to some people, it is really, really difficult. And uh, we'll talk about that, but I'm glad it's underway. And uh, I'm not sure who the winner will be. I know it won't be Tiger Woods. And I'm not sure if it'll be a live golfer, but I'm hoping it'll be a close finish on Sunday. Well, you know, so far, uh, I, I don't I haven't even heard of the um, the South Africa. I believe it's this is a South African flag. I'm looking at it, the league leaderboard. Christo Lambrecht, an amateur. That's why I haven't heard of him. An amateur is tied for the lead with Tommy Fleetwood at five under. Get this, Stuart Sink. I don't know. Is he fifty? Fifty something? <laughs> Stuart Sink is uh, three under par, along with Wyndham Clark. Uh, Jordan Spieth is in the top ten. He's tied for eighth at two under. Terrell Hatton is two under. Max Homa is two under. Uh, Hideki and Patrick Reed, there's your first live golfer there. Patrick Reed is one under. Uh, Brooks Kepka is uh, one under. Scotty Scheffler, here's all the names. Xander Schauffele, one under. 
and uh, the list goes on and on. Uh, you can check uh, whatever app you're following in the open. But, uh, yeah, it's cool. You get to watch golf at 3 in the morning. Uh, let's see. Yeah. Okay, and uh, Josh Pacheco and John Veneri are in uh, downtown Las Vegas for media days for the Mountain West Conference. Let's check in with those guys now. Josh, John. Hey, hey guys, good morning. By the way, if your sports radio bingo card this morning had Royal Liverpool, had Las Vegas, had Vietnam, um, all on your bingo card, you're doing pretty well this morning. Um, <laughs> that's, a, that's a really diverse first five minutes of sports radio. By the way, open championship updates coming up 16 and 46 after the hour, driven by BMW of Honolulu. But, John, uh, we uh, we'll, just went... Uh, Josh, we'll yeah. promote this stuff on our show. Thank you. <laughs> um, anyway, um, <laughs> you know, John, we, we just went through day one. What, what was your big takeaway from, um, from talking through the, uh, to the players yesterday? I think a lot of them just were excited about being here. You know, I, I, that's, that's the main thing. It does signify the start of the season for a lot of these coaches. But for the players, it's an, it's an opportunity for them to meet some of the other guys in a, in a setting where they're not trying to knock each other's head off. You know, yeah. so it's, they're getting an opportunity to put on their, their, their uniforms, take some cool pictures, share that on social media. A lot of them went to the pool, got to hang out with each other. All of them are over 21, so a few yes. of them might, might have had their own uh, special time downstairs. There's no immaturity, we no, think. No, no, yeah, exactly. So I, I think for the players, uh, it is a time of fun before, you know, the calm before the storm, so to speak. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's a good time for them. You made a note to me just a, a little while ago. We didn't get a, a coach of the year vote in the Mountain no. West. I don't. I don't remember if it's a regular thing or if this is new. But as we're we've got the coaches today, uh, that's one of the things that kind of took us by surprise. If I had to give you a coach of the year vote, who would it be for? Uh, you know, you know me. <laughs> I know I didn't prep that, that, for that either. That is a trick question. The guy who has to do the coaches show with him. You know, um, I, I do believe uh, that that Coach Brennan, who will be talking to here in just a moment i'm a little biased because of obviously his hawaii ties but mm -hmm. he is a good coach players like to play for him and i kind of believe shevin when it comes to it uh you know his commitment to brennan was you know he kept it despite having a possible opportunity to come back and play for his idol uh, when he did leave and enter the portal, I think his commitment to Coach Brennan and San Jose State says a lot about that coach, says a lot about what he's doing for that program. And let's face it, uh, he, you know, he, he has had his share of, uh, of tough times, but uh, he's doing something for that program, and the school is doing something for him. They, they are upgrading their facilities. And so if I had to pick a coach, I don't need to go into the whole thing, but no. if I had to pick one coach other than our very own, I would say Coach Brennan has done some fabulous stuff, and he's got his quarterback at the top of the list as the offensive preseason player of the year. I'd say uh, if I had to give you one, Andy Avalos. There you go. Uh, Boise yeah. State projected to win the conference, and he's getting a national coach of the year uh, watch list uh, recognition as well. You heard Gary a, a moment ago uh, mention some of the coaches we're talking to. Uh, Gloria Navarez, conference commissioner is going to join us just after the bottom of the hour. So uh, we've got a lot to do during our responsible hours uh, here in Las Vegas. But for now, we'll send it back uh, to Honolulu. Chris and Gary, guys. All right. Thank you very much, Josh. Yes, uh, we will have an update at the Open Championship. Uh, I was just giving Josh a hard time. Coming up in about seven minutes here. And really some storylines we're uh, looking to watch this morning uh, as the, uh, you know, the tournament unfolds. And you mentioned it, the par three hole. And what you were getting to was that um, it's 136 yards, which is super short. 
uh, on the PGA Tour level. But if you look at this green, and I was uh, watching uh, Randall Chambly and Brad Faxon talk about this yesterday, the or last night, and the um, the hole is is incredibly difficult through the practice rounds. You had different reactions uh, from players being asked about it because it's a very even though it's 136 yards. Uh, right, I mean, these guys are using gap wedges or you know whatever to you know to hit this. I'm using a six iron, by the way. Well, you know what? It's hard to judge because it depends what the wind is like. So it's 136 yards, but you might be playing like it's 170, uh, depending on what the winds are like. Now your landing area is very small, and uh, it's got bunkers on the side, and it's um, it's almost like an okay shot would be to land on a bunker. But then again, you don't have a lot of green to work with coming out of the bunker. So the, the it's like a tortoise shell. The landing area is like a tortoise shell. Not exactly round, but you get what I'm saying, where it's a little over, it's going to roll down a hill. A little under, hopefully it rolls up and stays on. If it's short, it rolls back down. Uh, so again, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a short, uh, it's a short hole. But incredibly hard landing area. So that's going to make it really fun to watch. Now, they've lengthened this course, Gary. Even though they took away a par 4 or par 5, whatever that one, that hole was, uh, they made it into that really short par 3, yet the whole course overall is lengthened. I, I love watching this type of golf because it's, it's really challenging for some. And some, for whatever reason, I don't understand why, their games fit this stuff. So I've got my eyes on guys like Tommy Fleetwood. I know you know he's tied for first um, right now. Guys from Europe and England and Ireland and all you know, the, some of these guys have an advantage. Of course, the whole world is watching Rory McIlroy, who is hot right now, coming off that Genesis Open win, and uh, looking for you know to. I mean, the last time he won the Open it was 2014 at this course. So there's a lot of storylines to follow here. It's that par 3 17th hole that has been described as a short hole but pure torture. And this description... That's is, what I was just talking about. Yeah, but make sure people know oh, it's okay. the 17th hole. It's the 17th hole. And it's been mm-hmm. described as the green has been raised uh, have been raised, and there are bunkers on each side that are some are 12 feet below the hole. That sounds pretty steep to me, 12 feet. Well, a lot of them, yeah, that's really steep. They don't actually look that steep on uh, TV, but yeah, that's that's what I was saying. Is it can roll off, but that might be an actual okay landing place. I mean, you know, these guys are having practice rounds and they're having fits with it. So you're going to see people like uh, I don't know, I don't know what Brooks Kepka has to say. Some golfers say, "Hey, you know what? It's a tough hole, but everybody's got to play it." And then there's other golfers who are like, "This is stupid. This is you know, it gets in there. It's already in their heads before the the whole uh, tournament has started." But it's going to be, uh, you know, imagine you've got the lead on Sunday, you're up by one, and then you flub this 17th going in, right? I mean, that's what's going to make it really, really exciting. And again, everybody's got to play the hole. Right. And I guess that there's a hometown favorite, it is Tommy Fleetwood. He grew up about 30 miles from this course, so. Ah, if there's any, I don't know if that would be an advantage because it's been redesigned, as you said, with those couple of holes that we saw. But sounds like it's going to be interesting, to say the least, with that hole. Well, yeah, I mean, it is. It, I'd like to see. I haven't seen – because it started at, like, 10 o'clock last night or something like that. I, You know, it's past our bed. It's past our Betty by. And when we wake up, we're getting ready for the show. But I'm, 
I don't want to distract myself during the show by watching it. I very well could, but I've done that before. It's not. It doesn't. It doesn't end up well for the listeners. <laughs> what? What? Excuse me. I know we got a radio show, but I'm watching TV. Gary, back to you. <laughs> I'm amazed that Stuart Sink. Uh, Stuart. I wonder if one of his kids is catting for him. Stuart Sink usually has. Uh, you know, one of his kids kind of caddying for him. I mean, it's the first day. It's very early. He's three under uh, so far. But there's a lot of guys uh, still out on the golf course. And we know from, I mean, I know from previous experience, mostly recently, I'm sure you know, obviously, is that we see these leaders on the top of the leaderboard, maybe in the first round during and maybe at the conclusion of Thursday. But most of them are gone by Sunday. Very well, rarely. It's right. That's just golf. I mean, very rarely does somebody have the lead for, you know, every day. Although, somebody did it recently. Oh, uh, Allison Corpus? No. Well, she was, no, she, she wasn't. She but wasn't. she was in the top every day, and she was the only golfer for the U.S. Women's Open who broke par, who was under par all four rounds. So right, no, what, I'm, really well. what I'm getting at is this, and on the PGA, there was somebody who did it recently. But it's, it doesn't, ha- yeah, it doesn't happen very often. It's tough. It's, do you want to stay in contention? It's like, a, you know, like a, when Hawaii plays Notre Dame in football or something. You want to stay in contention. You want to stay close through the fourth quarter and then make your move. Give yourself a chance to win, they say. Put yourself in a position to win. Mm-hmm. All right. Coming up in a few minutes, we will have uh, an update. Uh, good. I, I'm glad we have an update coming up in a moment here uh, because there's lots of storylines to kind of follow if you're into uh, into the golfing at the Open. So this is what is coming up. We'll have a um, uh, an update live from the Open. Uh, we're going to get a traffic update for you, and uh, then when we come back, we'll have uh, one of the coaches, uh, Brent Brennan, from San Diego State at Mountain West Media Days. That's coming up here on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Thank you to everybody who came out to Growler Hawaii, uh, Growler Hawaii yesterday in Kapahulu. Uh, there wasn't much rain to brave or traffic or anything, and so I had a good time. Uh, thank you to Charlie Wade and uh, Coach Bud and Coach Martinez. And there was a, uh, a mis- mix-up with uh, some communication with Chad Owens, but we'll get them on here real soon. All right, check it out. Hope you're having a great Thursday. This is Sports Animals here. This is ESPN Honolulu. I was mentioning before the breaks, there was a communication uh, breakdown between us and Chad Owens yesterday, and I wanted, uh, I just wanted to say that it was entirely my fault in reminding him for some reason. I told him the show yesterday was on Thursday. Oh. So I was just in case someone thought, oh, Chad didn't show up. It was totally on me. I super apologize again. Uh, I did, you know, via text, but, uh, you know, I want to openly apologize to Chad and folks who came down yesterday to Growler, Hawaii, to see Chad Owens. That's, I don't know, brain fart, whatever you want to call it. But uh, I super, super apologize for that. Okay. Uh, We're going to check in in a moment, uh, Mountain West Media Days, with uh, Brent Brennan, uh, who will be speaking with Josh Pacheco. 
and John Veneri coming up in a moment. And I know the guys were talking a little while ago about how they noticed there was no preseason coach of the year in the Mountain West. And I know yeah, you and we I mentioned talked that about yesterday. yesterday. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever seen that for the preseason, though. And I, I'm not 100% sure, but it almost sounds like something you really wouldn't vote for for the preseason. Yeah, it sounds like it doesn't sound like a preseason award for whatever reason. Because, I mean, in that case, then why do you have an offensive, defense, and special teams player of the year before the season starts? Yeah, and I've always said those are kind of irrelevant and almost misleading at times, but I think it makes more right. sense to have them at least. And, and how do you how do you say because coaching is you know say you're you're predicted to be you're Timmy Chang in your tenth and you finish third. Well, this this reporter thinks that <laughs> you ever hear that these yeah. guys say that I, I you know if you you're, you're supposed to be tenth and you don't have a lot of talent. And you finish, say, third in the standings in the Mountain West. To me, that's the coach of the year. See, you can say, okay, this uh, I, I predict Boise State is going to be the top team in the Mountain West, uh, for example, because they have the most returning starters, you know, that kind of yeah, stuff, right? Yeah. They have a, a beneficial schedule. All their hard opponents are at home. Their easy opponents are on the road. All kinds of stuff that you can put into that. But what do you put into coach of the year? I mean, what, do, what? how do you factor that in? Oh, how well he did last year? That's what the boys were talking about a few minutes ago. Well, how he did last year, that, that has nothing to do with this year. Right, and I'm pretty certain. I know for Big West basketball, there's no preseason coach of the year. And, you know, one of the things as we were talking about, Chevin Cordero being preseason player of the year, I wasn't aware of this until I saw Stephen Sy's article this morning, but he led the Mountain West in passing yards and touchdowns last year. And wow, as a returning cool. starter, it makes sense that he would be the preseason player of the year based on that and maybe a little bit more. Wow, he had more passing yards and uh, what? Passing yards and what? Touch he had 23 touchdown passes and 3,521 passing yards. 3,500? Yeah. That doesn't sound like a lot. Well, it's not Hawaii running shoot numbers traditionally. Right. Yeah. I, so how did what did Jake Hayner have? Gosh, I mean. A lot of rushing touchdowns well, for those guys? He didn't play the entire season. Remember, he was injured a little before the season and oh. came back a few games into conference play. Oh. I, I believe his first start might have been Hawaii or it was right around that time. So he didn't have the same number, total number. Gotcha. I'm not sure if his average was similar to Chevin. But, you know, you can base it on things like that for a player. I think it's a little easier, as you said. But for coach of the year, it's a lot more difficult to choose something like that preseason. So just wanted to uh, get that out there. But Brent Brennan, uh, I mean, obviously the relationship to Colt Brennan, of course, but when we've heard him talk over the years, seems like a, a guy you'd like to play for, a guy that seems like a likable coach. Not that others aren't, but he seems to be somebody that I think, you know, and also the ties to Hawaii, easier to relate to maybe. Well, ties to Hawaii because he used to coach for Hawaii. That too. Yeah, right. Yeah. And yeah. He was on the Colt. staff. He was on, I don't know whose staff was. It must have been June Jones' staff, right? Had to have been. Probably. I'm not, I can't remember. I think it was back there. So yeah. I, I'm really looking forward to talking to the commissioner, Gloria Navarez, as well, coming up later on this hour. And I know the San Diego State questions are pretty much gone away, but I have one that I'd like to ask her about that. And we'll get into that coming up in a little bit. And I, again, what do you want to ask her? Well, we, we, we got okay. time. Look, I, I understand that the guys at Sirius XM Satellite Radio, they're hogging Coach Brennan right now. I just got a message. They're hogging the coach. The nerve of those guys. Well, what? Because you don't have commercial breaks? You can, you can <laughs> hog the guy? <laughs> okay.
Okay, well, here's, here's what I want to discuss. Now, we, we heard the big news a day or so ago that San Diego State is remaining in the Mountain West in good standing, and everything uh-huh. is almost like it never happened, almost. But my question to her will be, aren't you thinking at all about maybe two years from now when they, if they were going to leave this time around, even though they said they weren't necessarily, but if the TV money is intact, if the contract for the Pac-12 is not going to be completed in the next month or two, by all reports. But two uh-huh. years from now, if they got whatever it is, whether it's Apple, ESPN, streaming TV, if San Diego State wanted to leave now, do you think that there's a good chance they might want to leave in two years? I mean, this doesn't seem permanent with them. I'm not trusting them for the long term. And I wonder how she feels about that. Okay, you know what she's going to say? Ask her that exactly what you said. Ask her that question, and here's what she's going to say. She'll say, well, in the great words of Jim Donovan, I don't deal in hypotheticals. <laughs> good, <laughs> right? good answer, I, I guess. That's what I want to hear. <laughs> That'd be cool if she actually brings up Jim Donovan. That would be that would be amazing, but but again, when you think about them as an, you know another example, I mean, we we heard the news and we're all through that. But is anybody thinking that it's all forgotten and they're not going to explore leaving anytime soon? I'm not talking about ten years from now when any of these schools right. can decide that based on the landscape of college football. But with them, once the Pac-12 is intact, if there is such a thing with them these days, with their yeah. TV money, why wouldn't they explore it again? And if they were given an opportunity to get more money, why wouldn't they leave? Okay. All right. Uh, we are going to move Coach Brennan to 7 o'clock. Uh, the Sirius SM satellite guys have, have ruined it for all of the terrestrial radio. Guys. Man, we're never having those guys on. No excuse. You know what? Just for that, we're going to make Sirius XM satellite not available in Hawaii. <laughs> there you go. It's banned. It's that in the lottery. Oh, yeah. You tourists getting in the rental cars. Don't try touching that XM satellite. Uh, that I still own stock in XM satellite. Really? See, it was XM Satellite, and there was Sirius. There were competitors, and then they merged. Uh, the, yeah, I've never, I've never been on the plus side on that stock. Oh, okay, because, that, because they merged, they wasn't it wasn't worth as much. No, it was just it was it was a it was a dud from the time it started. Well, you as a shareholder, didn't they call you in the merger beforehand to get your thoughts? Uh, no, but they send they send you a little thing, and you can have vote by proxy or whatever it is. I I don't know. I, I treat it like the uh, credit card offers whenever I get. Right. The mail hey, you know what I got in the mail the other day for my our house? Well, well, we don't want to know well, those those a, uh, brown paper packed plain packages. What are you talking about, Chris? Oh, you know. Well, what are you talking about? Back in the seventies, when you used to get those magazines in the mail, Gary. Uh, Sports Illustrated. It wasn't in a brown envelope. <laughs> but anyway, I got a dollar bill uh, showing through the envelope. It was from the Nielsen people. Oh, we can't TV talk. Re- about, no, no, don't go. In, okay, you can't talk. You can't talk about that on the air. Oh, there's certain things. Never you mind. Can't. It was only a dollar? I thought it was five dollars. It was a dollar bill sticking through. I still have it. My roommate said you'd do it, but I don't hardly ever watch TV these days. So. Oh, it was for television? Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, go ahead. You can talk about it. Oh, well, it was just for monitoring. You know, people ask every now and then. I, I wondered about this years and years ago. How do they know what the TV ratings are? How do they monitor that? Well, they select people uh, around the country uh, from a certain demographic, I guess, and have them monitor their TV viewing, and that's how they base the ratings on. And they pay you for that. But it was a dollar they bill. They pay you a dollar. It was a dollar bill, a crisp dollar bill. Yeah. Uh, haven't participated yet, though. No, I, I mean they should just make it simple and uh, do it like the cable people, right? They have a little box. It's like Mark Zuckerberg. The cable people know what you're watching by looking at all the data from their box. 
So wow. the, the measuring system you're talking about is so antiquated and old, they'll take, for a, uh, a, a, you know, a city of our size, almost a million people, they'll have 300 people maybe look at this, take down this survey. Who's got time to do that for a buck, right? Yeah. So those, that's, that's what they're counting on to tell you what, um, you know, what television shows they're watching. It's a very, very old way of doing things. Yeah. They do that. In the, now, they, I think they do it differently in larger markets like New York and Boston and even San Jose and places like that. But, uh, yeah, in Hawaii and some of the uh, smaller towns, they, they do it very differently. Yeah, I didn't check it out specifically. I remember but when you I do a, get to keep the buck. It's you do okay get to, to keep, keep the buck. Well, yeah, and I remember somebody I knew as a relative, I guess, when I was really young back east, that they had a box that they would hook up. Oh, they did have a box back, back then. This huh? was again back probably in the seventies, actually, to be honest. I was a kid and they had a box oh. that you would hook up and that's how they would monitor it then. The only person I ever knew. It's like you wonder where are all these people getting selected to choose what they watch when I only knew one person before, maybe two in my life. See, I would be I would want to do that survey actually, because you want the shows that you watch to have high ratings, yeah. right? So they don't get canceled. Good point. Good point. Yeah, right. So for you, the Hallmark Channel would be like through the roof. Come on, you're a fan club <laughs> member of the Hallmark <laughs> Channel. You know, you know how you turn on your TV and it automatically goes to OC16 or yes. something, right? Yeah. For some reason, ours doesn't here. When you turn on our TV, it goes directly to the Hallmark Channel. What did, what did we do? Does that mean we watch it too much? I don't. I don't watch it. It's but it's always on. Yeah, I mean, my goal is a spectrum, like you said, and uh, that's kind of interesting there how it does that. <laughs> it must be a hidden knows, meaning there. Can you text us? And, see, this is what happens when our guest doesn't show up. I yeah. tell you what, let's get a traffic update, and uh, we'll be back with more here uh, with the sports animals here on ESPN Honolulu. And uh, that's coming up. Also coming up very soon is the Craig Angelis Show. It's going to be live with Kanoa Leahy and Craig Angelis, UH Athletic Director, from Velocity Honolulu, right there on Kapiolani Boulevard. Uh, you can join us in person and, uh, you know, or uh, text in questions and comments and things like that. But our first show is coming up August 1st. And um, you can, uh, the best way to get parking there is just do valet parking at the MW restaurant there at Velocity. And it's right there on the corner of Kapiolani and Ward. And, um, you know, get valet parking inside. They've got food and drink and stuff like that. But we're going to have a nice time with the athletic director. So thank you to our sponsors, the JN Group and HCAMP, the Hawaii Concussion Awareness Management Program. Good morning. Happy Thursday. Weekend's almost here. Weather is actually looking nice. We can see blue skies. Kind of windy to keep everything cool right now. Let's go to Las Vegas and check in with Josh Pacheco. Hi, Josh. Hey, Chris. Uh, good morning. John Venaris here and Gloria Navarez, the commissioner of the Mountain West Conference, is joining us as well. We were just talking. This is your first one. Congratulations. And you've got all the newsworthy stuff. Now you can just kind of breathe it all in and take it all in after the hard stuff with the interview yesterday yes and you know we're here to talk about football and it's refreshing <laughs> that we can actually focus on the upcoming season absolutely um 
as you look at the format, I mean, one of the things you talked about yesterday, uh, the format going without division, certainly the preparation for the expanded college football playoff in 2025 goes a lot into that. And, and we've also been talking throughout these media days, the competition for that that top spot, I think, is, has gotten even better here uh, here this year. The, the talent in the conference is, is improving. Absolutely. And, you know, this year it's going to be for those top six New Year's Eve games. And then next year in the expanded playoff of the 10 FBS leagues, we are firmly looking at expectation, goals, hopes, and dreams, getting that in that top six. With your uh, taking over the Mountain West Conference, just can you give me your thoughts on, on the state of the conference when you decided that, yes, this was a go for me? Just what you thought the overall planes looked like for the Mountain West Conference? Well, you know, your first interaction whenever you go into jobs like these is usually with the board of directors and the presidents in the league. And I was so impressed. You know, we have the most diverse board of directors in Division One, both in race and gender. And not only that, we have so many presidents who understand what athletics can be to an institution. It's the front porch. It is the, you know, megaphone of all the great things happening on campus. So I was really, really excited in meeting all of our presidents and our board. And then, you know, the conference office built by Craig Thompson and Deputy Brett Gilliland is absolutely you know, I shouldn't make car analogies because I don't know anything about cars, it. but it is it. like I inherited a Porsche. <laughs> and it's just my job to take it out really fast on a bunch of new highways. <laughs> That's good. Hopefully you mean the SUV Porsche and not the one that you have to Porsche. squeeze yourself into. Por- see, see, this is why I shouldn't make car analogies. <laughs> there you go. Yes, I, I immediately made you pay for it. I, I, I want to know um, just what your thoughts of, of, of the University of Hawaii uh, is and and how they fit into the Mountain West Conference. Your thoughts on on just how important Hawaii is for you. And hey, be careful, Craig's walking by. There you go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we love Hawaii. <laughs> Hi, Craig. Anyway, we just actually had our board meetings this past summer in Honolulu. You know, certainly that was not an awful trip, <laughs> and um, it was really great to see everyone to walk through the campus, see you know, hear about the plans for the facility. Um, but I really just think Hawaii fits with us, right? We're big state schools where a lot of places in our footprint were the only show in town. And we have these really avid fan bases. But also, we are gritty in the Mountain West. We're not silver spoons. We are first generation, first opportunity, you know, working our way, making more with less. And I just think this blue-collar work ethic that kind of encompasses our league is a lot of what Hawaii is about. We're talking with Gloria Navarez, Commissioner of the Mountain West Conference, joining us here from Mountain West Media Days. Gary Dickman in Honolulu's got a few for you. Yeah, thanks, Gloria. And I was wondering, you know, with the University of Hawaii, this topic comes up on our show with a lot of the Hawaii fans. Football, of course, is a member in the Mountain West, but not the other sports. Has yeah. there ever been or do you think there ever will be any consideration about wanting or inviting Hawaii to play all their sports in the Mountain West? You know, people have asked me throughout the last couple of days what I think the future membership looks like. And, you know, I keep telling folks, back in the day, membership, you talked about that once every 10 years. Now you talk about uh-huh. it once every minute, once every hour. And, you know, who knows what the future holds as far as uh, membership and conference realignment. But um, that, who knows is my yeah, <laughs> answer yeah. to that. Have we talked about it recently? No. Um, but... You never know. Let okay. me let me ask you this real quick. I'm curious to know what the thoughts are from from the board, from the actual uh, from from you about Hawaii's stadium 
dilemma. Uh, I, I know that you must know the history of it, but then just your thoughts on how much leeway do you give the University of Hawaii with its current situation? Well, you know, <clears throat> I know President Lassner, private previous AD, Maitland, um, I'm going to miss working with him. Craig's great. But then David just was, you know, such a special individual, uh, is. And I know that they were wholly committed to trying to get the stadium issue back online. I know there's a lot of politics. I'm not aware of what they all are. But from our perspective, it's really important to have that forum in which to showcase our one of our premier sports. I got one more for you from Gary. Go ahead, Gary. Yeah, and I'm sure you're glad that the San Diego State situation has been rectified and they're going to be a member in good standing. But I'm curious, two years from now, the Pac-12 does have some kind of a TV or streaming deal. Do you think there's a lot of thoughts on San Diego's part where they'll leave at the first opportunity to get more money? Well, I wouldn't even just um, focus in on San Diego State. It would be any school. And what I've said throughout this is, and I've told our presidents and ADs, I said, look, I am not going to mount a campaign to keep you from doing what's best for your school. That's your job, president. That's your job, AD. My job is, and the board is to do what's best for the conference. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, those objectives align. When they don't, we have policies that protect the league, mm-hmm. right? They're not intended to be full stop preventative from keeping schools from going they are intended though to give us a financial backdrop in order to backfill with schools or right size media contracts if we take a hit there and you know that's who we are look what we did for tcu look what we did for utah san diego state certainly didn't come in at the top of our league we provide a shot in the arm both in resources and exposure that if schools invest they sky's the limit Gloria, it's good to see you. Thank you so much for joining us, and I know we'll be keeping touch throughout the year. Thank you so much for having me and for being here. Yeah, absolutely. Gloria Navarez, uh, Commissioner of the Big West, uh, Big West, Mountain West. Wow. Challenge. You were talking about See, it. this you is what happens. You so well. I know. This is what happens when we're in two leagues, <laughs> and oh we should God. be in one. I'm going to blame it on the, you know, time change. I'm going to There you go. I've had, I've had time change problems all week. Okay. <laughs> all week. Thank you, Gloria. Gloria Navarez, Mountain West Conference Commissioner, joining us. Uh, Mountain West Media Day's coverage is driven by BMW of Honolulu. Guys, save me for a, for a moment, please. Thank you, Josh. We'll check in with you uh, coming up uh, when you're ready for us again. Boy, she did a great job, Gary, of not answering your questions, <laughs> didn't she? Yes, yeah, she did. That's why she's a commissioner. She was uh, very polite, though, yes. and, uh, I, and and it's like I actually don't think that that was the commissioner. I think that was Laura Beeman. Did she sound like Laura Beeman? <laughs> a little bit, yeah. A little bit. Yes. But, uh, you know, the I, <laughs> so you asked her, like, hey, can, basically, uh, you know, to recap, can we join your league in other sports? She's like, no. That's what she said. Yeah. Uh, no. Next With, question. Without saying it, she said Without it. a classic if she just said, no. Next. <laughs> Pretty much and, that's what it was. And then, you, and then you're like, uh, what about uh, San Diego State? And then uh, she basically did the, I don't deal in hypotheticals. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm saying any but, member but could she do that. But she had a good point, though. She goes, hey, you can say that about anybody. I yeah. mean, look at all the people who've, um, you know, used the Mountain West as a stepping stool. She didn't use that, but, you know, BYU she didn't mention. There's other schools, right? Yeah, from the earlier days. Sure, sure. Just that with what they've gone through recently, that's why I thought they would be, you know, the perfect school to maybe want to leave, all things considered, as far as dollars. Right, but she wasn't like, I mean, I know she wasn't going to come out and go, you were like, hey, what about San Diego State in a couple years? She's not going to say, yeah, we, we, we got our eye on them. Those slime balls. You <laughs> That's know, what she wanted to say. She said the positive thing. Hey, you know what? I mean, it's it's it's, you know, if this is going to be a launching pad, then maybe for other mid majors, 
this is where you want to be. All right. Hey, uh, check it out. The Open Championship going on in uh, Liverpool right now. We'll uh, get an update right now. I saw something a couple of days ago I thought was pretty interesting. We talk about the blue turf at Boise State. Eastern Washington has the red turf. And there's a Division Three school for football in New York that has got an all-black field this upcoming season. Really unique, really different, and actually looks pretty cool. And it got me to thinking, and I saw somebody That's else weird. talk about this. It's the opposite of cool. Actually, kind of looks kind of nice. I like it. Anyway, I'm talking. I'm talking temperature. Oh, te- yeah, yeah. Okay. So, and then there's a site that put up. Well, how come the unit? It's a national site. Nothing to do with local ties. Not with local uh-huh, ties. Uh-huh. But why doesn't the University of Hawaii have a rainbow-colored field? And I thought that was a great idea. And they put a, a picture on with a rainbow-colored field. Why not have something unique? That obviously Hawaii is so unique. Why not do that? I thought that would be a pretty cool idea. I think a lot of people are going to take it the wrong way for what um, by having a rainbow field. I mean, look, you, you Eastern Washington has red because that's their colors. Boise has blue because that's their colors. We already have a green field. Why would we change it? Those are our colors. Because it's that un- was a joke. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> but it's unique. I mean, and I know it, you know, it might be, I'm sure there would be people who might not like it. You're never going to please everybody with almost any decision you make in sports these days. But I think that would be a kind of a cool look. And the way the, and I'll try to dig up the picture and put it on our Twitter page a little bit later. But I, I think it could look pretty cool. And I, I like the fact when Hawaii gets involved with different sports that they could do something unique. I mean, the haka, when Hawaii first started doing it, I believe they were the first school to do it on a regular no. basis. Was it no, BYU? No, well, One of the first. Hawaii, like uh, everything else, jumped on the bandwagon. Uh, there weren't a lot of schools. They were, they were copying BYU. And I believe even Utah and Utah, I, I don't know, Utah State was doing it. But, yeah, Hawaii was late to the party when it came to the haka. They said, oh, look, at Polynesian people doing a dance. Uh, we'll do it. And that's why some people were upset because that wasn't, that wasn't Hawaii. In, 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 you know, in ancient Hawaii, they didn't do the haka. So then, remember, we changed it to the ha'a, which was more yeah, yeah. like a, a, a Hawaiian thing. But, yeah, no, we were late to the party on that one. But we were one of the first. So the I only think, thing the we first. were only the only we have two things that we're known for. Let's go bows, which I like, and the skull clap for uh for well, the, well we copied the Vikings kind yeah. of on that, but for men's volleyball, the skull clap. Right, and I again think and, that and everything need... else we've copied everybody else. Okay, so and why we... not have a rainbow colored field then? Because I think a lot of people there's a, a negative connotation to a certain. Um, part of the population with rainbows but i don't know if is that widespread where you think that would be the first thought yes really yes uh, unfortunately yes 
Well, I know we have a texter that said I am delirious, green and white, Gary. Other teams would mock us on the field if my field colors are painted on the field. No way, yeah. Jose. I, I, I would like it, and I bet that even though there are going to be people, like you said, in this texter who said but they those wouldn't. Aren't our, but those aren't our colors. I mean, I know what you're saying, and I'm all for it. Maybe not the field, but maybe uh, surrounding the field or something. I don't know. Can you imagine if you're the, the I don't know who's in charge of, painting lines on the field but you imagine you touching that up it's like okay give me some red give me some blue give me some green how about when you run through instead of running through the helmet you run through a rainbow see but even that would have a lot of negative connotations but i tell you what it would also have a lot of positive uh a lot of people would think positively about that uh, but the problem is with, uh, you know, with, um, you know, face it, with, with some football players and and um, macho people, so to speak, I, I'm, I, I'm treading very lightly here. Yeah. Uh, I think it would be I think it would be very positive what you're saying with a certain group of the in the population. And it would be very negative on the other side. So why put yourself through that? Well, I think Have it would look cool field. on TV. It would be kind of an appeal to some people. And I think if the team wins and you have that, it looks a lot better. If Boise right. State was not a good football team, that blue turf would have been mocked by more people than it might have otherwise. But mocked for different reasons. That's what I'm getting Yeah, at. and I'm yeah, sure. And I know there would be something along those lines as well. I just thought it was a good idea. And the black turf that I saw a picture of looked kind of cool. But wouldn't, but, but wouldn't a black turf be incredibly hot? Or is that just a myth? Wearing black clothes and be having it's like you know concrete. It's a lot hotter playing on concrete than it would be on grass. Anyway, uh, we got top three things you need to know. Uh, Josh Pacheco, also from the Mountain West Conference, with John Veneri, is going to join us next with head coach Brent Brennan from San Jose State. We'll be back on ESPN Honolulu. Oh, it's great to look out the window and see some blue skies. We needed the rain, though, so uh, very good. Chris Hart and Gary Dickman here, the sports animals in the morning on ESPN Honolulu. Uh, three things we're following this morning. Of course, Mountain West Media Days uh, continue. Uh, earlier this morning, we heard from the uh, Mountain West Commissioner, Gloria Navarez. Coming up momentarily, Brent Brennan, the head coach of San Diego State, is going to San be Jose. on with San Jose State. What did I say, San Diego State? Yeah. What's that guy's name? Brady Hope. Brady, no, yeah. it is Brady Hope. Hey, I got one. Anyway, Josh and John are up there. They'll be uh, checking in in just a second. The Open Championship is underway in Liverpool, and uh, we've got a guy leading who is an amateur. He's six eight. We'll have an update in about 14 minutes from Liverpool here on ESPN Honolulu. And one thing I know we talk about the three things you need to know. One of the things that uh, just came out uh, yesterday at some point, but Rico Garcia uh, from Hawaii, of course, he was waived by Oakland a little over a week ago. Mm-hmm. And the Washington Nationals picked him up, assigned him to the Triple A team in Vegas. Yesterday they brought him up to the big league team. So, Oh, really? Yeah. Rico Garcia, he's he, uh, Nationals, huh? Yeah, so he got brought up yesterday. did not pitch yesterday, but he is on the roster, so hopefully he'll get uh, some appearances for Washington coming up soon. We'll give you updates every day, of course, but that was good for him. Josh, uh, I was going to say Josh Venari and John Pacheco 
are standing by in Las Vegas. Go ahead, guys. I will never live it's that It's as time. if you're here and haven't gone to sleep yet. <laughs> I, think, I think we know what that feels like. Uh, Speaking of uh, having a sh- short amount of sleep but a lot of chips to go home with, our next guest. <laughs> it's, it's become legend around here. Coach Timmy Chang was talking about uh, last night's uh, – uh, what do you want to call it? Uh, yeah, I don't even know what it's. It was. What a do good, you want to call how it, about Brent a, Brennan? How about a good night? It was a good. <laughs> it night. It was a good night. I spent a little bit of time with 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 Timmy uh, on the roulette table, and, <laughs> and and so it ended up good. We uh we bet on my fam my my grandma's number, black seventeen, and it came through for us a couple times. So the night ended up fun. I I, I heard. Yeah, we, it, it, like <laughs> like Timmy said, it's just, the, the moment he walked in, he's just legend, the yeah. legend. So, 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 so we all know if there's a legend around here, it's Timmy. It's not me. Like, let's be honest. Like, I, like, I, like, I, you know, the statue at the stadium is, should be coming anytime soon. So, so basically, you just love coming to Vegas every year for more yeah, than just talking football. I, yeah, actually, like normally I don't even gamble when I come here, but uh, it was it was fun. I was just hanging out with some some buddies who are coaches, and uh, it's fun for us to get to see each other out, you know, off the field and get to spend some time together. Had dinner with Timmy last night, and uh, you know, he and I talk a lot. So. It's pretty cool to, to not be worried about football and be able to hang out a little bit. That's kind of that's kind of what this is. I mean, it does signify the start of the season, but this is a, a good calm before the storm for for the players and the coaches. Absolutely, I think it's a cool experience for the players to be able to come out here, get get in front of the media for for all the media to get a feel for them and who they are and, and what they're all about, and uh, then all for all of us to have a chance to talk about our excitement for the season and, and what's coming. You know, here in the next few weeks. So it's a really, it's an incredible event. This has been an awesome hotel. This has been like a really good setup this year. I feel yeah. like everyone's really enjoying it. I know our players did too. So um, I think we're hitting a home run so far. Congratulations! Hit a home run. Obviously, this is because of what he was able to accomplish last year. But uh, Chevin Cordero, offensive preseason player of the year, and a lot of that has to do with the successes that you guys had last year in the football field. Yeah, Chevin is just such a special guy. I know you guys know that all too well, and. uh I know, you know, his transferring uh, is, is still a little bit of a sensitive thing for the people back home in Hawaii. But um, I, I do think it's been a good thing for him, and uh, I think he would agree. And just I love watching him uh, kind of grow into himself. I, I think, like, everyone that I talked to that talked to him yesterday, they're like, oh, my God, Shevin talks so much. <laughs> you know, I'm <laughs> like, yeah, true. yeah, like, yeah, like that's part of his maturity. That's part of him getting more comfortable uh, being in front, being in the spotlight, you know, that that type of stuff. And uh, he's an awesome player and a great leader for our team, and, and we are very, very lucky to have him with us. In a, in a way, it's taking someone out of their comfort zone and putting them in a new comfort zone, and it seems like you've seen that growth, that he got that pretty quickly. Yeah, absolutely, and, and uh, you know, I think our team really took to him when he showed up, and I think that felt good, and I think you know, it, it's not uncommon, right, for some, not, not even just football players, but for lots of people to leave Hawaii and go to college and then, mm-hmm. and then come back, right? Three of my roommates at UCLA were from Hawaii. You know, like it's very common, but um, you know, I think him getting away gave him a, gave him a chance to also do something a little bit different and experience something different, and I think it's been positive for him. I think he gets a pass from a lot of people in Hawaii for leaving uh, at such a crucial moment, simply because he's now playing for you and your Hawaii ties with Colt and and, and all of that, and just the the kind of coach you are. I think that draws people. So congratulations on that. Um, Let's talk about uh, the outlook. Uh, I know you're starting camp soon, but just being able to get started again, I'm sure that's pretty exciting. Yeah, we can't wait. We start our players' report on Tuesday, and I think we still have our first practice on Wednesday. So we'll kind of hit the ground running. we got that early week, zero-week game against USC. 
so we've got a lot of work to do. But um, it's been an awesome offseason. The guys have worked really hard. We have a new strength coach who's done a fantastic job. Our players are really bought into that process with him. Um, so that's been a lot of fun to watch that kind of take hold. Even someone said to me yesterday or this morning, they talked about how how thick Shevin looks. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, like he's the, he has our, put on weight. Yeah, our strength coach has done a fantastic job with that with the, with our team, and so our players are excited to get going, and and, and so are we. Let's talk about this real quick because uh, Hawaii is kind of dealing with some some of this uh, or the neglect of some of it. Um, you guys have put in a lot of money, or at least the school has, into the facilities. I'm sure that probably helps you out. And while it's not all for football, it does help the entire uh, school. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you know this facility that's, that we're moving into right now um, has been talked about since 2006. Like it's literally been that long. So. To finally get it done is, is incredible for us. It's incredible for our school. It's beneficial. We have men's and women's soccer in that building too, so it's going to be great to have to share it with some other student athletes. Um, we're going to have the, the ability to feed athletes out of the cafeteria in, in this building. Um, there's also going to be a training room facility, so there's going to be a lot of other sports are going to benefit from it. Um, I think that part of it is cool. I know for us, and you know, having coached at Hawaii, what feels like a hundred years ago in a season that, that everyone is trying to forget still. Um, but, uh, like, I know what that looks like there. I also think what they've built in the, you know, whatever, however, when they condemned Aloha Stadium, like, I think that's going to be a good venue for you. Like, you guys might not see that, but, like, I've had a coach there when Colt was thrown for 50,000 yards and Aloha was packed, and I've also played there when there was no one there, right? And, like, you have a fan base in Hawaii that really cares, and they'll show up and having that on-campus stadium, even if it's just 20,000 people, like, I think they'll show. And 20,000 Hawaii fans will be hard to play in. You know, like, we played there in, in a COVID, the year after COVID, mm-hmm. and it was still hard. There's wind. Like, the Manoa Valley, it's tricky. It rains. It's wet. It's, you know, and then you pack 20,000 people in there. Like, it's going to be a hard place to play. We're talking with Brent Brennan, San Jose State head coach. Joining us here for Mountain West Media Days, Gary Dickman's got a few for you from Honolulu. Yeah, Coach, you talk about Chevin Codero going to San Jose State. You've recruited Hawaii before. What do you see in the high school players here in the state of Hawaii that is so appealing to San Jose State football? You know, there's a – well, I, I guess there's a physicality and, and, and just a, an athletic ability that, that a lot of those kids over, over there have. Um, you know, when you think about – just the, the Polynesian culture being such a big part of our program. And um, and so having ties there, right, Josie Amalo played at Hawaii, um, you know, grew up there, Radford High School, I think. Um, you know, and so his him having relationships there, so, so often in recruiting it comes down to relationships and, you know, who do high school coaches trust with their players. And if they trust me as the head coach with their players – it doesn't matter where they're from if they can play good football, right? And, and so I love the fact that we're making a little more inroads in Hawaii recruiting. Um, I think it's there's always been a super high level of talent there. It's obviously now recruited by the whole country. Like the Hawaii is not a secret. Right. Like, you know, <laughs> everyone knows there's great players out there. Um, but I do think there's also um, there's enough good players for everyone to find, 
you know, a guy or two over there that can help their program. Let me ask you this. With the on-campus stadium, 15,000, by the way. Okay. Um, just, just, just wanted to clarify. Do you see some of the struggles? You, you just said yourself that you've been waiting since 2006 for your facilities to come up, and it's finally being done. Do you, do you think that there, that there is a – it's hard. It's because it's very hard to, to be able to recruit with some of the facility problems. And you know firsthand because some of them haven't changed since you were there. Right. Uh, that's difficult, isn't it? It is, and I, and I also I also have seen Hawaii play great football without good facilities, right? Like June obviously was fantastic. Rolo had it rolling, right? You know what I mean? There's been really good football played there, and I think Timmy's on the right path, and I think you guys believe that too. Um, and so if you added that facility piece, I think that would be compelling uh, because I think recruits always think about where am I gonna where am I gonna spend my time when I come to a school. And so even for us, without having that nice stuff for so long, um, you know, there were some similarities between us and Hawaii, right? We have good weather. We're in a cool city, like that kind of stuff, you know, like proximity to nature, beach, mountains. We have you guys obviously beach, like that type of stuff. But uh, we didn't have, like, you go to Boise or you go to San Diego State or you go to Fresno and you like, whoa. Or you go to Wyoming, like they have these incredible football facilities that, you know, where the players are like, oh, the locker room at Boise State was so awesome. And you're like – well, yeah, we're working on our locker room. Yeah, <laughs> so you're, um, so I think that part of it, you know, it is compelling. And for us, I know it took incredible alignment with our president and our, you know, their cabinet, our CFO, our athletic director to get those things done. You know, then also with the California State University University system, there, there had to be incredible alignment to get this done. And now that we're moving into it this week you know it's pretty exciting great Gary, testimonial yeah gary's got one more for you okay yeah coach a lot has been made about the new format one division in the mountain west this year for a school like san jose state who would be one of the favorites in the west division in previous years now you've got more competition to finish in the top two so how do you feel about the new alignment i think it's good i think everything that we're doing is trying you know we want to be a team that's in the you know in the you know january 6th uh, group and you know I think this gives us the best chance to do that. I think the Mountain West is an outstanding football conference. I think it's well coached. I think we have great talent. I think the games are exciting. It's a really fun brand of football, and I think the whole world needs to see it. So whatever gives us a chance to get into those you know postseason opportunities is, is what we need to do. And so I'm all for the new format. Whether there's a West and a Mountainside or whatever doesn't matter to me. I just want to play good football. Coach, it's uh, it, it's good to see you, and I, I'm I'm only realizing it now here for the last few minutes. Homecoming featuring <laughs> you and Shevin coming back. It, it, it's homecoming in more than just a Hawaii football sense. It's It, it feels like Hawaii football yeah. <laughs> coming back for homecoming. So it's it's going to be cool when you guys make it uh, make it down to the islands. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, it's awesome. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you, Coach. All right, Brent Brennan joining us uh, here from Mountain West Media Days. I, I had a little trouble putting homecoming in different words than just saying homecoming. You guys can figure that out. Our coverage uh, driven by BMW of Honolulu, guys. I, thanks, guys. I, I certainly hope that the homecoming isn't against San Jose State to accommodate Chevin Cordero. I that, that couldn't have that couldn't have been the thinking, huh? It couldn't have been, but I was a little surprised at that as well. I would have thought again, New Mexico State would have been you know perfect. <laughs> you don't have to have it a, being a conference game. Yeah. So if you're gonna have a conference game, I'm not sure why they were chosen. You want to have a team you can beat. You want to celebrate homecoming. Usually, that's the way it works. I'm I'm wondering here. Uh, uh, well, we don't have time. 
But um, what he meant by, and Tanner brings this up, uh, we were texting each other during this uh, conversation. What did Coach mean by, I want to be part of the January 6th group? Well, the college football playoffs expand in a few years. A group of five teams is going to be in, and he thinks by having maybe the Mountain West with one division, they would have a better chance of getting to the group of five playoffs. That's the January 6th group? Well, I'm not sure why he picked the 6th. I'm not sure if they already have dates for two years from now, but I think that's what he meant, yes. Oh, okay. I was just curious. All right. Boy, I like listening to uh, uh, Brent Brennan talk. He really is, you know, talking about the wind coming down from Manoa and all that kind of stuff. That's uh, very, very cool. Um, But anyway, we still want to just beat the pants off of him. We'll just beat the pants off of him. All right. The Open Championship is going on. Uh, let's see, uh, see what the leaderboard looks like. We're going to go over to Liverpool right now on ESPN Honolulu. All right. It's Sports Animals in the Morning here on ESPN Honolulu. Mountain West Media Days are going on. and Let's go back up to the Circa. Uh, what is it called? The Circa Resort and Hotel? Circa Resort and... How about Saginaw's? Let's talk more about the sandwiches (laughs) on the second floor. Uh, Let's go back to the Mountain West Media Days with Josh Pacheco and John Veneri standing by with Wyoming head coach Craig Bowl. Guys? Thank you. Yeah, we'll make it to Saginaw's at some point before we leave on Sunday. (laughs) I'm guessing, Coach, you've made made a trip to Saginaw's, I'm sure, every year you've been here? Uh, Not every year, but, uh, you know, it's always great. (laughs) Why haven't we gotten money out of Saginaw's yet for this? Uh, Craig Bowl. Uh, from Wyoming joining us. It's it's great to see you every year. I mean, you have been really the, the one of the, the consistent things about this conference being there at Wyoming. Um, you know, you're on the strategic planning committee, uh-huh. right, for, for Mountain West football. So tell me about your role there. And, and that's a, it's a good way to talk about kind of the, the, the new change this year with getting out of division. So, so take right. me through your role on that committee. Well, first of all, uh, you know, a lot of it came about uh, we have a new commissioner and uh, – uh, Craig Thompson put our league in a great position for an upward trajectory, and uh, Gloria has got a, a you know a, a really ambitious vision on where we are to go. Um, I think what you're seeing within the Mountain West Conference, uh, we have all the 12 teams are there, and they're all hanging together, and the collectiveness of that group, whether the the quality of play with the players or the ability of coaches. Uh, we have determined that it's imperative for us to be one of the top six leagues in the country. And so when you hear these terms, uh, group of five and power five, those numbers really are are becoming meaningless from a standpoint. You have ten leagues. Uh, The CFP is going to expand, and the top six leagues, uh, the conference champion is going to be in the CFP. Um, And we strive to be one of those top six teams. And that, that, that lane... Uh, to be whether a New York Six game or in the CFP in the future, I think really gives us a great opportunity to upscale, and it also dissolves some of these lines where you're seeing, well, it's a power five, group of five. You've got ten leagues. And so we've really looked and said, okay, how can we get our message out with the quality of play uh, that is in our league? And we have a great uh, uh, respect and long-term uh, rivalry with the University of Hawaii, and and we've had great games. Uh, but I think sometimes, because we are in so many different time zones, somebody in New Jersey doesn't know about that. Mm. And so what we're doing is saying, okay, how can we message our league to get it out to where uh, 
what we're doing is on the national map. And one of the things that we have, uh, I think we have a really uh, great uh, head coaches group. Coach Chang has done a great job, and he embodies uh, the legacy and the traditions at Hawaii. And then along with that, whether it's Jeff Tedford or Andy, I mean, all the other guys are experienced coaches, and we have really good players. And so uh, we've looked at saying how can we elevate our brand to make sure that people on the national scope know about that. Well, I guess this is a, a good transition then because one of the questions that uh, Commissioner Navarro's got yesterday was, you know, what does the conference feel about playing on – or how does the conference feel playing on, on weekdays? Uh, I know we're seeing Big 12 and others talking about that. You're talking about getting the message out, but also you're a head coach, and there's a lot of planning involved. Right. So from, from both aspects, mm-hmm. how do you feel about – an opportunity on on weeknights um you know i think we really have to be guarded about that simply because some of the some of the things that is different about uh weeknights as opposed to maybe other sports is football is a physical game and the turnaround when you walk into a locker room afterwards i think we need to be mindful of that that's not to say that you can't do something like that occasionally but I think it's really important for us to try to stay within, uh, I would say, our goalposts of saying, let's let's see if we can play on, you know, on on Saturday and, and Friday. That's kind of our routine right now, where you see some other leagues looking at midweek, and um, if you do that so much, I mean, we're still about a scholastic model amount of time that people miss from school. I think those are all things to to bear out. I think there are some high expectations for your football team uh, this year. Preseason honors, you've got four uh, on the uh, Mountain West uh, first team here preseason. Phil Steele has 10 of your your Cowboys on. on pre- That's got to feel pretty good as a coach. Well, I think a lot of it is is we had so many unknowns last year. As I sat in this chair and talked to you guys, there was, you, you think you know, but till they're really out there, when the, till the lights turn on, you, you don't know. We've got some guys who are proven. What's going to be imperative for us, John, is my experience is when you have really dynamic special years, your oldest guys have their best year. Andrew Peasley needs to play his best football. Uh, Easton Gibbs needs to play his best football this year. Uh, there, there are bell cows, and then some other guys that will follow along, like Frank Crum. And I can the list goes on and on with number of players. I sat down with our coaching staff, and we pulled back the the, the personnel board, and I said, okay, where before we had to have a really robust fall camp because we had to define who our starting uh, offensive right tackle is going to be. They, some guys need enough reps to get their horns sharp. The, we're not going out there trying to figure. We got to get them ready to play. Uh, where before we had to find out who could play, and so there's the balance of that, John. And one of the things is, I think, through 20 years of being a head coach, is trying to. There's art and there's science. I think we have more players who have proven that they can play at this level. Now what we have to do is elevate that to get those guys to play to dominate at this level mm. and some of that comes down to, to some decisions that we make and then these guys have challenged themselves to have a great off season and 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 our schedule you know um gives us an opportunity you know we're playing rainbows at in laramie yep. and uh you know that gives us i think initially you'd think an advantage we're playing in honolulu is a really tough place to play we think laramie's a tough place to play however if you look at the history, Wyoming's come in and whipped us at our place. But uh, we open up with Texas Tech at home. Yep. Um, you know, they're a very capable opponent, but we play them at home. 
and then certainly the conference schedule gives us a great opportunity to do some of the things that we talked about raising the bar right. nationally. Our, our, our first game uh, is going to be nationally televised on CBS. That's so. huge. Yeah. That's, I want to yeah. say uh, congratulations because – uh, we talked to Peasley yesterday. What a fine young oh. man that guy is. He is just so I, I know that part of, part of that is because uh, of the uh, the culture you have mm-hmm. there at, in, for football. And I'd like to thank you on behalf of all of uh, the, the football team for putting that November game when Hawaii comes to Wyoming <laughs> at noon. So thank you so much for that. I had, I had nothing to do with that. I was maybe shooting for 8 o'clock at night <laughs> trying to get the blizzard to come in. Oh, man, so thank you. Uh, we're talking with Craig Bull, Wyoming head coach, uh, here from Mountain West Media Days. Gary Dickman in Honolulu has got a few questions for you. Go ahead. It has changed so much in the three years. When you look at NILs and the transfer portal, what challenges do they present to you as the Wyoming head coach? Well, there's certainly there are challenges for everybody. Uh, for me, probably more so than, than some other coaches, simply because, uh, you know, as, as a head coach, you become having a DNA on what your culture is about, and we've always been a developmental program, uh, one that you come in and, you, you know, you may not play much as a freshman, and then you you work your way up. And um, and what has occurred is, you know, with some players choosing to leave, maybe not so much for scholastic reasons at all, but simply because of financial reasons. Uh, you know, those things, that concept, I want good things to happen for all our players. I do. Uh, but that concept initially goes against – you know, why I chose to stay in college football is you're developing young men. They learn how to play on the team. They're, they they get a meaningful degree, and they become uh, husbands and fathers and move on. Now it's uh, that has changed. Um, I've evolved as a head football coach um, to really understand, okay, how, how, to, how to wade into this NIL uh, market to a certain degree, and then also the transfers. Uh, one of the guys that's going to be playing for the University of Hawaii had played for us, Cam Stone. I, I you know what? Uh, I was disappointed to to see that Cam was leaving our program, but you know that's an option for him. Um, and so there are good stories about it, and I think there's some train wrecks. I've tried to stay true to our principles and who I am, uh, and who we are, but have to we have to adjust some. I was going to ask about Cam Stone. You addressed that, so I'll follow up with this. When you look at college football and the realignment of conferences and schools coming and going so quickly, where do you see the Mountain West four or five years from now as far as who might be in the conference and who might not? Well, you know what? Um, For me to make a statement on that, I think that would be pretty – I don't know. It would be like a profit. Um, I I, I can tell you I think our conference commissioner has done a great job. We've got all 12 members. Uh, and, and and we anticipate moving forward we're going to have 12 members that are they're representing great flagship schools um, and I think our, our our conference is positioned to be the Mountain West is going to be one of the top six leagues in the country and if we're one of the top six leagues in the country that means our conference champion will be in the CFP and that is to, to, to have a seat at the table in the CFP is transformational with our league 
Coach, uh, always enjoy these every year. By the way, uh, Hawaii's gone to Wyoming so often recently, John started to get a uh, residency uh, <laughs> there in Laramie. You know what's I, great, I've got though? gloves, jackets, <laughs> yeah, muffs. Yeah, and you know what? We, we have no state income tax. <laughs> we have no taxes. We hardly have any laws and no taxes. Okay. <laughs> That's perfect for John. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to fit right in. Yeah, Coach, right. Coach, good to see you. No bet. Bye, right, guys. Craig Bull, uh, Wyoming uh, head coach, joining us here uh, at Mountain West Media Days, uh, driven by BMW of Honolulu. I, I figured you'd uh, you would enjoy the fact that uh, I mean, was it now three years out of four? I mean, it's been so many. You're right. Like I feel like I, it, they have a car ready for me. Yeah. It's like I, you know, we've done one trip. Most of the time, we drive up from Denver, mm-hmm. but uh, one of those trips, we actually flew in, and we flew in, and it was like. Where'd the color go? <laughs> it was just white everywhere. I was like, I don't have enough clothes for this trip. And sure enough, you know, minus seven feels a lot different than, than 82, 83 yeah. uh, with the trade winds. And so this local boy was cold every time we go there. So noon, you know, it's, it, at night it's cold. I, I tell this story. Yeah. We went to Wyoming once. Uh, this was just a few years ago. And it was so cold that I dropped off my my bags in the room and we were going to go and get something to eat and my my drink in the car froze solid not slush it was a solid block of ice in 20 minutes that's how cold it is in wyoming so when i say thank you to coach for a noon game i mean i mean it see what what least the sun's out see what you do guys is you take your drink you freeze it in wyoming and then you drive down here and you warm it up again. <laughs> there you go. That's that's what that's what you do in 113 degree weather, guys. Is uh, we'll we'll have more coaches, including from uh, New Mexico and from uh, Utah State, all within the next uh, hour and a half. Thank you, are Josh. They, are, are they done? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Chris. Jeez. Wow, thank, you. <laughs> thank you, guys. Oh, we're just having some fun. Come on. That was an interesting story, though. The, I mean, the it, it's frozen solid? 20 minutes. What? When it's way to seven, that'll happen, yes. I know, but who says, hey, this is be a good place to live? <laughs> so, <laughs> well, they were probably used well, to it. I mean, well, you heard, Coach, no rules. No yeah. laws. Right. Yeah. No, no laws. taxes. <laughs> yeah, no taxes. There's hardly any laws. It's just, it's just Wyoming is like cowboy land, obviously, and it's yeah. lawlessness. No wonder Yellowstone on TV makes so much sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Coach, hey. uh, Coach Bowl is such a great guy, though. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> that, was cool. that was awesome. Uh, Yellowstone is in Montana, by the way, not Wyoming. Right. That's <laughs> funny. Uh, anyway, uh, where did we go? I, I thought you had a horrible question, though, Gary. I was going to ask about Cam Stone, but he already answered that, so I had to come up with one on the fly, which is something. Yeah, because I don't think he, you're going to hear him get, and I'm, I'm teasing you yeah. at the same time, but I don't think you're going to, uh, he's going to go, yeah, I don't see Fresno State and San Diego State well, I knew here he wasn't in a couple get of years. Specific, but again, I was going to ask about Cam Stone, so I had to pick yeah. something real fast. I, I'm, I'm just, I'm giving everybody a hard time. What is it about me? Come on, give it back. Give it back to me. What time is it? Is it time for a traffic update? Yes, it is. Oh, it's also uh, time to tell you about a new episode of Athletes uh, starring Cole Mausoff. I think Cole Mausoff is 6'8", speaking of that guy who's leading the uh, Open. Anyway, uh, Cole Mausoff uh, sits down, and uh, they uh, talk, he talks story on this episode with Braden Shager. So uh, check it out on our YouTube channel. Or you can also uh, go to ESPNHonolulu.com to watch the latest episode. 
It's brought to you by Central Pacific Bank, Hawaii's best bank. Okay, we got Stephen Sai. I'm trying to understand this text. We got Stephen Sai coming up at H20. Yes. Okay, that's coming up here. Uh, Stephen, of course, is uh, at the Media Days, uh, Mountain West Media Days um, in Las Vegas, and we have a great, great um, content coming from the guys on the mainland here, getting ready for Rainbow Warrior uh, football here on ESPN Honolulu, ninety-two point seven FM and fourteen twenty AM. Um, it is. Gosh, we are just uh, looking at the Hawaii USA Federal Credit Union countdown to kickoff on our website. 36 days, 19 hours, 50 minutes, and 19 seconds away from kickoff. How many uh, seconds? At Vanderbilt. Uh, well, it's 14 now. <laughs> what? Yeah, it's going to be, I get a camp opening it's up next week. It's nine now, nine yeah. seconds. <laughs> I mean, the camp opens up next week. So, yeah, we're we're in football mode already, and the media days help to get that started as well. So that's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, you're about a month away from football. There's not much time. The coach, this is where I, I wonder if you're a coaching staff and you start to panic a little bit, right? Oh, are, we, are we ready? Mm-hmm. Do we have everything, right? Depends on what school or what situation you're in. If you're a first-year head coach, I wouldn't be surprised if that happens a lot more often on that end, like with Timmy last year or Matt Rule in Nebraska or any other first-year head coaches this year. That's got to be a really tough challenge first year. Yeah, Matt Rule, he stole our guy. Matt Rule, uh, the, the, what was the, was it Preston Tamua? Is that the guy who uh, committed to Nebraska? Yes, yes. And I didn't know, I saw this on the Rob DeMello News, that the uh, it was Donovan Riola recruited him. I was like, why are you going to Nebraska? Because remember, he was a stud offensive lineman for Nebraska, and yeah. his pro career wasn't that of his brother's. But, um, I mean, I know, I, I think he might have played a year or two in the NFL, maybe, Donovan Raiola. He, sure. Yeah, he was there for a little bit. Yeah, not really as a starter. But he had a cup of coffee. Yeah, a cup of coffee. But anyway, so he came down and recruited him. It's like, ah! Yeah, I mean, Dominic was a great player at Nebraska. That's when Nebraska had their glory days. But uh, you Donovan. Know, Donovan. I mean, Dominic. Donovan, Dominic. Yeah. You, Donovan is the Nebraska. Don, Donovan Dominic is the coach. Played, Dominic played at Nebraska. The good one, the older one. Both of them played at Nebraska, didn't they? Or one played at Wisconsin? I think Donovan, Donovan played at Wisconsin. Donovan, Donovan is the coach at Nebraska. No, yes, well, Donovan. Okay, but he played Donovan at Wisconsin. Is the coach. He played at Wisconsin. Okay, but he's coaching at Nebraska. Okay, and Dominic was the real good one there. But again, it's a Power Five school. Even though they haven't been really good lately, uh, their facilities are unbelievable. And I've got to see a little bit of that years and years ago. They just had the biggest weight room of any college team and took it on the road with them even. So I'm not sure if it's – I think a lot of schools have caught up, I guess, but still the fans still sell out that stadium since I don't know how long it's been that streak 
So, I mean, it's still, you know, a good area to be in, good football area with fans and everything else, just that they haven't won. But that was with Scott Frost. He's gone. But, uh, again, when you, you know, you look at football, and the way I look at this, when the NBA playoffs end, it's kind of a slow part of the sports year. But starting in two weeks when the NFL has their Hall of Fame game, and I know it's exhibition, but really for the next ten and a half months, we got the three big sports, hockey, basketball, and football. And, of course, baseball does count, of course, but we've got a lot to look forward to when things start up again. And again, with camp starting next week, uh, I, one of my hopes every year with any team is that you don't get any of these preseason injuries, especially in practice, even more so for NFL in regular uh, preseason games. But, you know, that's going to happen here and there. But the fact that football is back and at least one NFL or two NFL teams are in camp, Jets in Cleveland, Kansas City will start in a few days as well. That's great. I mean, we've got more football stuff going on and more, more roster spots to be filled by running backs. That's going to be an ongoing thing. But speaking of the NFL, Chris, I just wanted to throw this out there. DK uh-huh. Metcalf, one of the best receivers in the NFL. And he was on uh, – yeah, He's top, top, top ten at best. At best? Yeah. Well, I'm not sure where I would rank him, but he's got to be at least top ten, if not top five. If you take the Cincinnati Bengals and the Miami Dolphins, right there, you've got five of the top ten. Anyway, go, I don't okay, want to okay. interrupt you. Well, here's what he talks about. I mean, he's he's also incredibly strong, incredibly fast. He said, I guess he was on some podcast on Showtime and said, I eat one meal a day, I drink one coffee, and I eat like three or four bags of candy. And that is his diet. Four bags of candy? Four bags of candy. That's part of, that used to be part of my diet, uh, but it didn't work out well. But one coffee What's and one What's a bag of candy? I would imagine it might, maybe it's a bag of the mini little bars the of fun, Snickers. A bunch of fun size baby roots. Yeah, fun size, yeah. yeah. But I, I guess it's worked for him. <laughs> I just saw that earlier. I thought that was uh, kind of interesting, though. But, uh, again, we've got Hard Knocks. The first edition will be on, I believe, August 3rd. Third or eighth, I'll double check the date, but it's coming up in two weeks as well. It must be the eighth after that first uh, exhibition game. So that'll be starting. Robert Sala, who wasn't really thrilled, kind of like Aaron Rodgers, for the Jets to be chosen for hard knocks, at today's press conference wore a t shirt that said, I heart HK. Kind of poking fun at hard knocks. Not poking fun, but poking fun at his situation there. But they'll, I'm sure they're filming already. And, uh, They'll be on the first episode coming up in less, uh, about two weeks from now as well. So a lot of good things on the horizon. But going back to Mountain West football and Craig Bowl, I mean, I, I think he must be one of the most senior members of the coaching fraternity in the Mountain West. He's been there for a while, said he's been a head coach for 20 years. And when he, when he talks about the transfer portal and NIL, like he said, I've evolved as a head coach. I mean, for long-time old-school type coaches, that's got to be so different when that first started with the NIL and transfer portal the way it is. Yeah, and it is, and it's why you see some guys. I think in basketball, I think that's why some of the, you know, Coach K and some of these other guys just said, you know what, I'm done with college basketball. Time for me. I'm getting too old for this. And, uh, you know, and I think you see that uh, actually across other sports too. All right, we're going to have a uh, update uh, momentarily from uh, the Open Championship going on in uh, uh, Liverpool. Uh, that's coming up. Also, uh, I want to get more into the uh, NFL. And when you talk about hard knocks, what if there's actually some kind of trade or some kind of running back signing while this whole hard knock show is going on? That would be really cool. All right, let's check out what's going on at the Open. This is ESPN Honolulu. Let's check it out right now. 
Hope you're having a great, great morning. It's good to see the cl- Oh, it's nice to see some puffy clouds and blue skies. Uh, it's going to be mostly sunny today. Still a little bit windy. Hopefully it keeps. It doesn't get up to 90 degrees like the other day. You know, today, Gary, is a national. It's national. Check it out. National Fortune Cookie Day. And um, I told you about a fortune. They've got this list of. They've got this list of um, some of the greatest f- fortunes that have come out of fortune cookies over the years. By the way, we're going to check back uh, at uh, Mountain West Media Days coming up in, uh, oh, about 10 minutes here on ESPN Honolulu. Uh, but uh, some of the funniest messages that you've ever seen. And so um, picture yourself pulling this little paper out of a cookie, and it reads, someone is looking up to you. Don't let that person down. Okay, here's one. No snowflake in an avalanche ever feels responsible. You have to think about that a little bit. Here's one that pulls it out, and it reads, About time I got out of that cookie. (laughs) Anyway, I I, I guess in rehearsal they sounded better. (laughs) I used to open them up all the time and read them and, you know, thought it was kind of cool, but I don't know how many years it's been now whenever I do get one. I don't even read them anymore. Because you're not going to believe that. I mean, I used to, I didn't know they were all jokes nowadays. I thought they were more like almost like a horoscope predicting something like, you know, have your belief in your dreams and everything will come true or something like that. Right, right. It used to be. But now it seems like those are just jokes uh, and barely that <laughs> that you just mentioned. So <laughs> I, I, I just put it some reason. I don't even read them anymore. I enjoy the cookie, but mm. I don't even read the paper. All right. Hey, the, uh, um, the Open Championship going on in Liverpool. You heard the update a little while ago. And uh, we'll have another update coming up at about 8.15. But uh, we were earlier this morning, we were talking about some of the storylines uh, of the Open Championship. And I can't remember his name, but Matt Fitzpatrick, uh, who won uh, uh, last year. It was last year. I think it was last year he won a, one of the majors. But Matthew Fitzpatrick's younger brother made, uh, you know, qualified in a tournament to qualified to play. So the, brother, the two brothers are playing in the Open Championship. That's kind of cool. I wonder how rare or how that happened where two brothers played, let alone the same tournament, let alone a, you know, a major like that. That's got to be a short list, if at all, right? Right. I mean, Brooks Kepka's brother plays golf, but he's not very good. I know he's, he was at least, uh, maybe he still is, on the Live Tour. But, yeah, um, I can't think of – Didn't Phil Mickelson had a brother that played golf. He wasn't great, but he was a great college golf coach i think he's the coach or at least was at arizona state you know i wasn't aware of that but that's that's pretty incredible there to see that happen again that, and i mean bragging rights right there of course somebody's uh, gonna win a lot of money maybe uh, both if they're lucky or right fortunate. i'm trying to check the score uh and my computer is running slow but i want to check the the scoreboard and i'm not going to do this while we're on the air right now i'll do it during the next break i want to check the scoreboard to see uh, how Matt Fitzpatrick's brother is doing. I mean, hopefully he's not, you know, like, you know, plus seven or eight or something like that. But uh, anyway, uh, if you missed our update, uh, Christo Lamprecht, he's an amateur, a six foot eight amateur, leads the field. He is at five under, uh, along with Tommy Fleetwood from England. Uh, oh, also Emiliano Grillo, uh, I'm sorry, Grillo. Uh, has moved up into a tie for first. So uh, not a lot of huge names, but um, 
you know, it's going to be exciting. It's you know, Rory and those guys, they're you know, they've got only about nine or ten holes under them. But uh, anyway, we'll have updates for you. It's going to be a very exciting weekend. A lot of sports going on. When I see an amateur on the leaderboard or just anywhere in the top ten or twenty on day one, I'm always kind of following them just to see if they can hopefully maintain that for the third or fourth round. I think that's a cool story. Whenever that does happen, especially for a major, life changing yeah. for some of these guys if that happens, right? As an amateur. Yeah, certainly is. Okay, uh, let's see here. It's um, coming up on ESPN Honolulu. Don't forget, we got the uh, Craig Angelus show. That is coming up August 1st at Velocity Honolulu on Kapiolani Boulevard. Um, check local listings for that. And uh, coming up, we do have another coach that Josh and John will bring us from Media Days in Las Vegas. That's all coming up here with the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu. 92.7 FM and 14:20 AM. All right, top things we're following this morning on ESPN Honolulu. Of course, uh, Mountain West Media Days. Uh, Josh Pacheco and John Veneri will have a, uh, another coach for us coming up in just a couple of minutes here. Also, the Open Championship going on. It started, like I, I believe, if I'm calculations are correct, like 10 o'clock at night last night uh, because of the time difference in England. But you got an amateur leading the way right now. The, a lot of the field is uh, still going strong there. What else are we following this morning, Gary? Well, one of the stories we mentioned briefly earlier is that today the NFL owners are meeting and the Washington Commanders sale to Josh Harris is supposed to be finalized today. A lot of uh, people really happy about that. None of them named Snyder, but uh, just to make it official. All of them in Washington. Yeah, yeah, but uh, a lot of people really happy about that. The Commanders fans are as well. So this guy, Josh Harris, uh, what's his claim to fame? He's rich. <laughs> no, but how? Um, I, I don't remember how. I, I've read about him. I just don't remember. Okay, in his group, is there somebody, some former athlete or Peyton Manning or somebody involved? Usually nowadays, you know, you, you, you buy the group and you have a Magic Johnson or somebody who's in your ownership group. Yeah, I didn't realize until, or I had forgotten until a day or two ago, Lionel Messi playing for the Miami soccer team. Who? And, Lionel, What's his first? Lionel Messi playing for the Miami <laughs> team in the MSL. David Inter Beckham. Miami. David Beckham Inter. is a part owner, and yeah. so he sure. introduced him to the fans the other day. But I didn't realize I didn't realize until that day that he was a part owner. I wonder how much that had to do with Messi coming over. And by the way, the tickets for Game One, uh, some uh, of them are going for a hundred and ten thousand dollars for tomorrow night's game, which he, I guess, is not expected to start, but is expected to play. That's because you're really getting the reason it's so expensive is if you're getting two entertainment products in one. Number one, you got a uh, um, oh, thank you, um, Tanner. Magic Johnson is part of this group. Okay, so number one, you got a soccer game, and number two, you get to be involved in a big brawl on the field (laughs) or in the stands or in the stands. And some you know, nowadays it's okay to jump down and beat up the goalie, apparently, in soccer. So you know, it's it's the reason why uh, it's so popular. You thought hockey fights were popular. <laughs> the best of both worlds, I guess, huh? Right. 
But I think that's the big NFL news. Uh, one of the things that will be ongoing, but not so much the Jets in Cleveland practicing already, but that is, but of these running backs. Now that camp is open for two teams, by next week everybody will be opening up camp. Or the guys like Dalvin Cook, Ezekiel Elliott, Leonard Fournette, who I heard is meeting with New England this week, uh, are they going to sign before somebody gets injured? Or are they going to have to wait? And I did hear something yesterday that Ezekiel Elliott, there's still a chance that Dallas might resign him, obviously at a lesser price. But I guess those conversations are taking place. All right. So I was looking up this Josh Harris, and, and granted, I believe I'm looking at Wikipedia, but um, he does he is he a part owner? It says here now this might be outdated. Uh, he is a, a part a managing partner for the Philadelphia 76ers. What's the New Jersey Devils? Hockey, right? Yes, they are hockey. Mitch Rubin is the majority owner for Philadelphia now, but that does sound a little familiar. I think he has something to do with the Sixers as well. Okay, minority owner, uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, Joe Gibbs Racing. Man. Well, he wouldn't be able to have anything to do with the Steelers, that's for sure, if he's taking right. over Washington. But the other, the other sports he's allowed to be involved in. Yeah, he was born in Chevy Chase, Maryland. I didn't know that. Is that how Chevy Chase got his name? I don't know about the name for Chevy, the actor, comedian, but I've heard of Chevy Chase, Maryland. I think I've driven through there once. Uh, but Very anyway, so, area. I mean, he was involved in an ownership group with uh, Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith. How about that? Well, Philadelphia people. I know they, uh, I think they might have owned the soccer team in Philadelphia at one point, Will Smith. Mm. Also, uh, Crystal Palace, which is, I guess, an English soccer football club. Uh, soccer football club. I said two things. An English football club. Anyway. Uh, that's the new owner of the, uh, I wonder, you know, do you get a GM? Who's the GM? I mean, there's a lot to, now that you have new ownership, maybe they start just filling up those stands again. Because you couldn't buy a ticket to Redskins games back in the day. Back in the and, day. And now it's like, you know, it's, I don't want to say it's crickets. But it is it's close. Uh, it's been bad. Right. They are one right. of the few teams in the NFL that has a hard time selling tickets, a hard time selling out. Uh, and the team, even though they made the playoffs a few years ago and lost to Tampa in the first round, they haven't been great on the field. But I think the, the disarray or the, the, the dissension going on because of Daniel Snyder that kept building and building and building right. has really kept fans away. And they, their stadium is like less than 20 years old, maybe even closer to 15. So it's not like their facilities or their stadium is really bad, but they have just fallen on hard times, and you have to give the blame mostly, if not totally, to Daniel Snyder. So I'm sure there's a yeah. lot of celebration in DC today what a culture I mean this is just a and what I mean what a horrible human being him and his wife are I mean that's wow anyway uh, so the, the you know the wicked witch is dead so to speak <laughs> yeah. new ownership uh, for Washington fans I was watching a game they had something on the NFL Network um, last night when I we got home from Growler uh, Growler Hawaii and there was a um, I was watching uh, this game it was a I think it was week 14, something like that, week 15, week 16. Anyway, towards the end of the season, it was the Las Vegas Raiders against the San Francisco 49ers. The game went into overtime, and San Fran won. Um, but looking at that, it was a great game, by the way. And um, the crowd in Las Vegas, and was it like this all year? There were, it was probably, it looked like, um, I'd probably say, 70% of the fans, at least the ones you could see in the background on television, 
the ones with the good seats, they were all 49ers fans in Las Vegas. That's happened a lot there as far as visiting there, okay. fans. When we were there a few years ago and Hawaii played UNLV, and the next day the Chiefs played the Raiders on a Sunday night game. I know a lot of Hawaii fans stayed there, but I remember watching that game after we came back home. And even around town that week, you saw more Kansas City jerseys, at least on the Strip, which makes sense, they're tourists, uh, than right. Raiders fans. And I know that stadium seemed to be filled with a lot of visiting teams fans. And I think that's the norm there for hockey and football. Because of so many people going to Vegas anyway, you kind of tie that in with your team playing the Vegas teams. Right, and it's not like you're there, oh, and by the way, let's catch a game. I think what people are doing is if you're Kansas City, right, you play them tw- you play them twice a year, waiter. You're yeah, twice a division. year. Yeah, that's why they're – so, I, I mean, you're looking at your th- – and you're going, hey, when we go – look, we're playing in – what I'm, I'm sure the 49ers fans or all these fans are going, are we playing in Vegas this year? What's the date? Okay, yeah. we want to go to Vegas, so let's do it around the football game. I mean, they're going exactly. there for the football game. So if you're like uh, the uh, a citizen – in Las Vegas, and you're like, why should the public pay for a stadium? Well, because they're bringing in 150,000 tourists a year or whatever it is. And I, I think it's different for other t- cities and other sports. I mean, we've heard of certain teams that won't sell tickets to the visiting fans. That's happened in hockey a lot. But that's different than Vegas. Vegas is that attraction where you're getting people from all around the country on a regular basis. And I think that's the norm. When I've been there at other times and I've seen hockey teams in town, I see all the opponents' teams, the visiting team, with fans wearing those jerseys all around town. And the one game I did see there, same thing. So I think that's part of the reason they draw so well hockey and football regularly sell out and football sells out almost anyway but are you getting more of visiting fans the Raiders I don't think from what I gather haven't had the total Vegas fan base that maybe another city would have maybe because they haven't been there very long and people from Oakland I'm sure come over to watch their team in a different city but it's not like they have the fans from Vegas being all Raiders fans like other cities not yet. And some and some people are. Maybe some people don't oh, have some. a real dog in the fight. Or, hey, you know what? I've, you know, uh, say I live in Las Vegas, my favorite team. I've been following all, you know, since I can remember, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. But you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, you know, be a fan of the Raiders as well. I mean, maybe you buy season tickets. I mean, you're going, you're, you're going to a, 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 an NFL game. And so um, you're going for an NFL game. So, you know, you can't help but kind of uh, start to have a fondness for your local home team, right? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the Raiders, I think you mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, but at the airport there's a Raiders store, a kiosk. In a lot of hotels there are Raiders stores, not just one or two. But they are, I think, more more visible than they were four or five years ago. That makes sense. But I, I agree with you totally on that. But, yeah, you definitely see visiting fans there. Like, remember when the Chargers opened up? Uh, whether it was at Sci-Fi, I think last year, I remember you mentioning this, and you were so right, the the opener of the season, the opener of the season for the NFL was actually the Rams playing, and they were playing Buffalo. And there were seemingly almost 50% of the fans or so, maybe even more, are Buffalo fans in L.A. The Chargers went through that a lot when yeah. they moved to L.A. Visiting teams, fans filled up that stadium more than Chargers fans did. That's a little different. Because that's still the city, even though the Chargers moved, you know, a few hundred miles up north, I guess. But for Vegas, it's a different deal because of the people that are in Vegas all those football weeks, and it makes sense that way as well. Yeah, and I think eventually um, you're going to have people, you know, as the population grows older, you're, they're going to, you know, be, you know, they're going to be inundated with, yeah, you know, Raiders merchandise and Raiders TVs and Raiders appearances in town and all of that, and you'll grow up a Raiders fan. Exactly. Uh, yeah, but until that happens. 
um, you know, it's it's probably going to be a little bit like this, and you probably see less and less more fans. Now, what I'm surprised is is these these 49ers fans. This is a game last year. They had like the best seats in the house. That was the crazy part is that they're you know they've got you know the first 30 rows, and there were some Raiders fans peppered in, but it, that was uh, that was it was it's kind of not what you want. As far as home field no, advantage. No, you don't. Because they didn't have any. And what I understand, I mean, I, I've checked out prices and talked to people who buy tickets for these games. They're really expensive because, I mean, it's it's in a it's an area where you you don't have many choices. And if you want to go see the Niners, as an example, as you said, play in Las Vegas, well, you're gonna to have to pay a little bit more for the ticket. They're they're pretty much sold out. And there's somebody I met from Hawaii a few years ago bought season tickets for the Raiders, and he was gonna to go to maybe two home games a year, but it was gonna sell the others. And when you have the visiting fans wanting to come there, it's like a captive market. You don't really have any choice. If you want to see them, you're going to pay top dollar. Mm. And it's like that for hockey as well there. But the visiting fans have to pay a little bit more. You know, speaking of the San Francisco 49ers, we have an update from Liverpool coming up in a few minutes. And then uh, Timmy Chang is going to be on the radio too uh, with uh, the guys from Las Vegas. Uh, maybe ask him if they don't. Ask him. I'm sure they will. Ask him about the craps table and Brent Brennan. <laughs> the roulette table. Out. He said roulette. I believe the roulette table. Yeah, yeah I want to find out. Uh, I want to find that out. But anyway, okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, 49ers. Philadelphia Eagles are good. They have a really good defense. They have a great quarterback. Uh, and I say great. I say he's one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL. They've got weapons. AJ Brown and those guys, right? Um, their running game, um, you know, if they got a Dalvin Cook or a Saquon Barkley. They lost Miles be... Sanders, remember? No, Miles Sanders is okay. But he, they lost him. Oh, right. Oh, so who do they have now? Oh, boy. Because I thought he was still there. Cause I was saying, Rashad Penny they picked up, right. Again, not not Dalvin Cook or one of the top guys. Um, but then again, if you want to run the ball, they run Jalen Hurts. So Philadelphia is great. I mean, if you want to do a preview and your prediction of who's going to be in the Super Bowl next year, you might say the road runs through Philadelphia. But we seem to have forgotten about the San Francisco 49ers. Look at the weapons. Look at the, Let's start with offense. Look at the weapons. Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk. Brandon Ayuk is a weapon. Sure, I mean, I'm just sure. watch that game. Uh, let's see. And even when Debo's out hurt, Brandon Ayuk does some of those Debo plays, those rush around engines and stuff like that. You have George Kittle. You've got uh, uh, Christian McCaffrey. People forget about Christian McCaffrey's speed. But Christian McCaffrey is tough. You have a quarterback. You've got a, very, you got a very good offensive line. Mm. And Brock Purdy will be back, at uh, hopefully, if uh, you're a fan, in the beginning of the season. If not, sometime soon. And the 49ers, I'll take the 49ers defense with George Hufunga and that defensive line. I'd take them a, I'll take them in front of Philadelphia every single day of the week. That is an awesome defense. Uh, so when we're talking about the NFC, sure, mention the Philadelphia Eagles. But in my mind, last year, if the quarterback doesn't get hurt, if Purdy doesn't get hurt, you might be seeing the 49ers in the Super Bowl. And it wasn't that long ago where George Kittle was probably neck and neck with Travis Kelsey as far as who was the best tight end in, in football. Yeah, and he and he still is. He's got so many other weapons. All right, let's check out the uh, update from Liverpool on ESPN Honolulu.
Josh Pacheco and John Veneri living it up in Las Vegas. What was the temperature right now? Do you guys know? It's it like is uh, 104. Yeah. 104. Oh, it's a, it's a lot cooler today. All right. Uh, the guys have got uh, Coach Timmy Chang. Go ahead. <laughs> you know, you just missed something, too. We had some epic smack talk going on uh, before we came live. And we November 25th between Hawaii and Colorado State just got a little more fun. What's what's going on between you and Coach Norvell there? Well, well the, before Timmy answers that, okay. he, he walks by and he says, the three of you look beat up. <laughs> <laughs> what was that all about? <laughs> oh, he, he was... He must know this is the ninth island, and so um, yeah, he's making fun. Yeah, he's making fun of us over here. But uh, but he was trying to walk in on me when I'm when I got you know bowls on me and funny hats, and he knew what was heading my way. And <laughs> as we do the Mountain West, uh, you know, media day and have fun fun around here with some of these some of the things that we're doing. But uh, but but Coach Norvell's a good one, man. Uh, he, he's he looks like he's ready to go again this season. I love the fact that he points at me and he says, it looks like you haven't slept in three days. And then Timmy's like, you have a face for radio. (laughs) (laughs) Let's start off that interview real good. All right. Well, so, hey, we're no no longer rookies to this, Timmy. No, no. No, we're not. No, we're not. This is uh, is year two. This is year two. And it's uh, – I I say this. A lot of work has still gone into and a lot of time has been put in. Um, but but you you kind of know where you're at. You kind of know what your team is and, and who they are and what we got to get better at. And so um, from that standpoint, go, from last year to this year, there's there's a lot less unknowns, and and more now it, it's turn up and, and and get ready to go and and go win these games. I want to say that you um you picked the two perfect ambassadors to represent offense and defense yesterday. Very well spoken. Uh, very much into the program. Uh, the two great guys in Logan and Aliki. Yeah, uh, those are great leaders. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I'm not going to get a vote on who's going to be captain, but um, you know, they they get a lot of respect. I mean, Aliki, Aliki, you know, in in a room as a junior and as 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 deep as those seniors were on that offensive line with Elm and, and Michael Vanderpool and. And those guys, they voted Eliki as as the guy that runs that room, and so that's a lot to that's a lot to be said about Eliki. And, and when you watch him go, as as we had a, a little bit more than a year and a half together, and you watch him go about his business, and and you see him demand and and what he wants to get out of that group, and the one of the most important groups on the football team, the O line, um, you know, he he gets things rolling, and and they do what he says, and so um, and that's a good quality to have, and so. Um, you know Logan on the other side. He's he, he's such a he's such a great leader. He's a, he's our ener- he's our energy. Um, he gets us going. He's our spiritual guy, our spiritual leader. He wants to be a pastor. You know, he not only does he he hit guys and and and, and I think his stats were maybe seven games, eighty something tackles. Just imagine he played thirteen games, how many tackles he would have. Um, but I expect him to uh, continue leading us and and being an ambassador. For you know, University of Hawaii football team, not just, not just for the next year as a senior, but but like you, John, um, a, a a person in, and a guy in the community that that a lot of people are going to follow for years to come within both of them, and and, and even that, I mean, if I could if I could have brought more guys, I mean, you know, you, you talk about Jonah Welch and 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 there's there's a list of guys that mm-hmm. that I would love love to come, but you can only pick two, and um and and I, and I felt like uh. 
you know those guys are, are deserving yeah i think they were very appreciative of it um i, I want to say it's a good thing that you keep your hair short because i think the off season might have been a little stressful for you huh trying to implement a full-fledged run and shoot offense was it difficult or did you have enough uh guys around you that could could do this thing first of all can you see my white hairs no that's the that's the no. beauty about keeping it short <laughs> josh actually like took a step and leaned into the light and stuff. <laughs> Good thing we're on radio. Which, by the way, you'll be able to see this interview and the gray hairs that Timmy's talking about on YouTube. Oh, no, it's, uh, y- you know, it's, um, I-, I tell you what, um, I think it's, uh, I think it's less stressful, you yeah. know. Um, this is an offense that I, I knew for, uh, since the time I started playing football, seventh grade at, at St. Louis High School. Um, and, and that went from 7th, 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th, you know, freshman year, sophomore year, another sophomore year, junior year, senior year. It's all I knew. You know, it's this it's, it's the offense. It's, it's why it's a big reason why I had, a, I had a chance to play early on and then commit and stay home and play for the University of Hawaii and be able to play right away with June Jones. And, um, and, and, and here's the thing is that, you know, the state, and I've been talking about it with and, and questions from, you know, Mount West Network, CBS, Fox, and all these people, um, you know, they're asking about the run and shoot. And, and, and here's the exciting part is that, you know, the, the, the program, the football program, the university, and the state and the fans have, have benefited from this offense um, and, 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 and knowing it. And, and, you know, they know what it looks like. They know the plays. They might not know what the call is, mm-hmm. but they know the plays. They know what it's supposed to look like. When Colt Brennan is throwing the ball down the field, they knew when Brian Muniz was throwing the ball down the field, Cole McDonald, when all these guys were playing in this offense at a high level, they, they knew what it looked like. You know, they knew what the pitch, the little shovel pass pitch to Nadia Olawa looked like. And, and I get asked over and over, is that, is that play coming back? <laughs> you know, it's, well, well. Is it? It's a timing play. It's a it's a timing play, and so we like them when they rush up the field really hard, and we can catch them. And so, uh, but you know, for me, I, I think it, it it's uh it, it's something that I'm very familiar with, and, and and now it's as and here's the difference, right? As a player, you know, I understood it. Now, as a coach, how do I get my guys to understand it the way I do? Because I no longer play, and and I tell the guys, I the first conversation I have with the guys when I walked in the room is, guys, I don't play. You guys play, so you guys take the ownership. You guys take the leadership. It's on those guys. And so that a lot of the summer has been handed off to the quarterbacks and to the receivers and, and for them to be accountable to each other, get the repetitions they need, get on the same page, talk to each other, plant seeds, continue getting that timing down. And so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see where we're at when we when we hit um fall camp i i've been watching uh you know we we got some of the the prps and stuff and 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 being able to see a little bit but uh but you know you kind of know a little bit early on what 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 the emphasis has to be and where you got to correct some things but um when we get our hands on them and 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 ball uh spring i mean training camp will, will be ready to go how much learning did your coaches have to do to learn the offense yeah um you know I think I got I got some really smart coaches, you know. Shoemaker's been a, been a been a play caller for a number of years. He knows how to that. He's been grinding and 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 working that tight end position. And so, um, you know, you want guys. You, you know, we're used to having you know the Chad Owens, the Greg Salas. I mean, Greg Salas arguably could have been a tight end in mm-hmm. in, in, a, in a in a college system. How big he is, mm-hmm. you know. And so, you, you know, he he's got the he's got the wherewithal to to kind of to know. How to place uh, 
you know, a, a, a guy in the slot and, and be able to read and run all those routes as, as a slot receiver does. And then he has to know how to, you know, block an edge and, 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 and control the edge when we need to get a yard and, and, and keep guys honest and, and put guys in the box and, and then manipulate things from there as well with RPO and all the other things that we're going to do. It's exciting. Yeah, it is. Uh, Hawaii head coach Timmy Chang joining us. Gary Dickman's got a few questions back in our studio. Gary? Turn oh, up your yeah, mic, yeah. Gary. So many people are talking about the run and shoot. Should we expect week one that the run and shoot will be fully install, installed the way you want it to be, or is that going to be maybe be a work in progress throughout the season again? Yeah, I, I think we, we I think we have a lot of um, a lot of our plays in and and ready to go. We've been doing them over and over and over and over and over again. Um, you know, right now we got Dan Morrison right now. Um, in Hawaii with us, and, and and I just left him. He, In fact, he dropped me off at the airport <clears throat> and is on campus and hanging around with family and friends. And so um, and this thing is in full force. And so uh, we're going to pick the best plays that, that, that give us a chance to beat Vanderbilt. We've heard so much in the last month about recruiting and some of the guys you've signed. I know you can't talk specifics right now, but I think it was also really exciting for everybody to see what you're already building for the 2024 class. So many local players staying home. I know that's an effort that you said from day one, you want to keep the local players, the best local players here. Is that something you plan on doing every year as much as possible? We're maybe recruiting a year or two in advance. You know, we're going to go after all the best local guys and, 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 you know, we, we, we feel like we have enough talent at home, and if we can keep them home, we're going to keep them home. You know, um, and it, it's it's a, it's got to be reciprocated, right? Guys got to go. Guys want to. Guys got to want to stay home, and and then play for the state and represent the state, put the state on their back, as we talk about in the locker room with the brotherhood. And so we're going to continue to do that. And and you know, if 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 you know, guys choose to leave. It's okay, um, and we'll we'll go and continue and and pick guys that want to be here, whether it be from here or from, you know, other countries or or, or other parts of the state. But uh, but um, the biggest thing for us is is wanting people that want to be here, and and that and that's probably the most important thing when it comes to recruiting for us. I'll take I'll take the last one here. Uh, you were rattling off quarterbacks left and right earlier. You should have mentioned yourself in that list, but the one quarterback who was not old enough to be here uh Braden Shager is going to be that next one taking the mantle uh of the run and shoot talk about his growth here in the offseason I know he's had to bulk up a little bit but understanding and and growing in this offense from from your vision what have you seen you know it's it's going to be a work in progress I, I think with any quarterback coming into the system um you never know until the bullets are flying but I, I'll tell you this he his leadership has has grown his arm strength is there um, he's a big kid. He's a big, tough kid. That's the first thing I noticed about him, and I appreciated was that his toughness. You know, um, I think he had a, he had, he has a he has a, a kind of a legendary urban legend story that his his jaw broke and a couple of teeth got knocked out, and, and in one of his you know semifinal Highland Park playoff games, and he <laughs> continued playing. Uh, he lost. He ended up losing to the the, the champion um, of of, to, of that Texas uh, that Texas um, state championship. But uh, but but. You know, Shager is taking um, taking control. Um, he, you know, until he distributes the ball perfectly, and and no one does. I mean, I, I, it's hard to. It, it, it really is. Um, you know, I don't know what. You know, I you guys can go dig it up and talk about it. I don't know what Colts. Um, you know, Colts. Uh, uh, 
passing percentage was, you know, when he finished out, and 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 he he probably did it at the highest level. Uh, you know, Rolo did it at a really high level, especially at that last four-game stretch that I think we talked about before, Gary. Um, the the best four games I've I've ever seen a, a quarterback play in this this run and shoot. Um, you know, and and and, and I and career-wise, I was about at a 50 55 percent. But I, I think with, with helping with the run game, helping with RPOs, I think helping with those type of things, you know, I expect him to distribute the ball. Will he be perfect? No. But he has to continue to be resilient um, and, and have those uh, have those those qualities as a quarterback that, that you're going to want that, hey, I got to make plays. I got to make plays for my team. I got to distribute the ball. I got to be there for my guys. I got to lead them. I got to get them lined up correctly. All those things that uh, you want to see as a quarterback, I think Shaker's going to grow into those things and, and be really good for the next two years. To answer your question, in 2005, Colt Brennan was a 68% passer. 2006, 72.6. And in 2007, 70.4. So for his three-year career, he was above 70%. And then that's the probably the most elite, elite at, at, at any level that you've seen a quarterback playing the run and shoot. And, and he was accurate. He was the most side, he's the most accurate sidearm guy I've ever seen. And, and um, he, man, he had some really good guys to throw to. So, you know, that's, that's the other part of it is that we got to put some really good receivers around, um, around Jager to make sure that he's got some weapons to throw to as well. But uh, but that's seventy percent. That's pretty. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, for sure. Coach, good to see you. Thanks for stopping by. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. All right, Timmy Chang, Hawaii head football coach, joining us. Our coverage of Mountain West Media Days, driven by BMW of Honolulu. Uh, guys, we're gonna have uh, Blake Anderson from Utah State here uh, in just a little bit, but we'll toss it back to you guys in Honolulu. All right, thank you very much. You know, Timmy had a. There's a um, when he talked. Coach Chang talked about Colt Brennan and that seventy percent completion. And, and, and he, had, he made a good point, and he said that's really good for a run-and-shoot quarterback. I don't know if you caught that, because you you have guys at 68 69 70% in college football now, but they're not throwing over 500 passes a, a year. So for a guy mm-hmm. to throw it that often and to be at 70%, 72% in that 2006 team, that's, that's pretty special. It sure is. Not too yeah. many people could do that or have done that. All right, let's take a break. We'll be back on ESPN Honolulu. Okay, uh, we are going to uh, uh, have Blake Anderson, the coach from Utah State. Uh, He'll be on in the afternoon show off the bench this afternoon here on ESPN Honolulu. It's uh, 8.40. Coming up in five minutes, we'll have an update from the Open Championship in Liverpool. That's on the way. Let's go back to University of Hawaii football if we can here. And I'm just got to say uh, Phil Steele's 2023 projected starting lineup. Listen to this. When you look at this on paper, if I'm the rest of the Mountain West Conference, be afraid. If you're an opposing quarterback, be very afraid. Look at our defensive backfield. We got uh, counting the nickelback. You have Kaulana Makaula, Cam Stone, Verdell Edwards, Meki Pei, and Peter Manuma. That's a, that, that sounds like a pretty good defensive backfield to me. It, it, and they're it all young. 
Cam Stone is the addition, obviously, to that group, and we know what he did last year for Wyoming. But, I mean, I'll say this from looking from the other side of that. As talented as those players are, and they are, there's no debating that, mm -hmm. still this defense had some issues last year, mostly against the run. Right. It was mostly against the run. So you're not. I'm not going to blame Peter Manuma for the lack of, um, you know, stopping the run. Sure, sure. I mean, that guy's stopping the run. The only problem is it's nine yards downfield. But... Uh, and that's why Hawaii went and went through the transfer portal, have a lot of transfers come in to help the defensive line. Because if your defensive line isn't creating, isn't stopping the run or creating any kind of pass rush, uh, you know, it, it really makes you kind of look bad. And Hawaii's defense did give up, what was it, 36 points a game, something like that? Something like was that. Was it around yeah. there, Tanner, if you remember? But anyway, uh, you know, they gave up a, a, a lot of points. Um, you know, we'll see how the defensive line does. You've got Logan Taylor as your weak side linebacker, Isaiah Tufunga as the other linebacker, as your middle linebacker. And then you kind of have uh, Jonah Kahahovai-Welch. He's like your, uh, he's like your pass rusher. He's like, you know, 6'2", 230 pounds, something like that. You wouldn't look at him on the street and say, Hey, that guy's a defensive end for the University of Hawaii. I mean, he's kind of your in-between guy is what they're having. So it's going to look, when you look at them just uh, lined up, it's going to look like maybe sometimes a 3-3-5. A three, three, maybe it, sometimes it looks like a 4-2-5, you know, depending on uh, what's going on. But, um, boy, just by names. And I know we're just talking about paper, but we've seen Mechie play. We've seen Peter play. We've seen Verdell and uh, play. I haven't seen. I may, maybe I've seen Cam Stone. I don't remember it, but I'm going off of the media and everybody else, and say that uh, I mean that guy's the stud of the class, and he's only a what junior? He's only going to be a junior. I forgot. Guys could be pretty special. They they could be, and again, if, if they can't stop the run up front, then the talented secondary is not going to be. Not that it won't be important; they still will be. But if the numbers are well, still close to what they were last year, that's still going to be something they have to address. And if they can't, on. if they can't stop the run, then they're actually more important than you think. They're not yeah, going to look good. Yeah, yeah. But somebody, if if they don't stop them, it's touchdowns. It's I, curtains, baby. I also think that in almost in almost any situation like this, with a second-year head coach and everybody being a lot more familiar with everything, and maybe taking the national step, the natural step to improve at least a little, they should be better than last year in every area with the returning players. Because there is talent on both sides, but the talent on both sides last year didn't result in too many wins or losses. Didn't win, didn't result in too many wins versus the losses. So I'm hoping they can just take that natural progression and improve. But you also wonder about the other teams in the conference. Did they improve in certain areas as well? <laughs> Hopefully everyone else st stood still. Yes. I, I see what you're getting at. Um, special teams-wise, who's going who's gonna to be our kick, kick returner, punt returner? That's a, that's kind of, you know, kind of important deal. I believe Cam Stone is a returner, so he could be one of the punt oh. returners, I believe. Uh, Matthew Shipley, as far as the kicking, I thought was really oh, good. Oh, no, yeah, we're, we're, he's but okay. As far as the return, yeah. He's no Jason Elam. But no, he's, no, but who well, is? Well, kick, he's your kicker and your punter, yeah, much yeah. like Jason Elam, mm -hmm. right? But um, actually, Jason Elam, wasn't his stats, wasn't he like the best? He was like the best punter in the conference, too, as I well as that, kicker. Yeah. It was something crazy like yeah. that. He's not. We remember him as, as a field goal kicker, right? A scorer, 
But, um, yeah, so, I mean, you got Matthew Shipley as a, you know, you could say he plays on offense and defense. Because the kicker, even though it's special teams, it's an offensive position. True. Punter is you come in during defense. So he's he's like Shohei Otani. All right, let's get an update. That's coming up next here, ESPN Honolulu. You know, we've had a great show. It's been fun talking with Timmy Chang here and Josh and John in Las Vegas, here having different coaches on the air, including big uh, Mountain West Commissioner Gloria Navarez. But, uh, you know, I don't want to end things on a bad note, but, Chris, I got some bad news for you. Uh, I know yesterday I believe you were talking about winning the uh, Powerball lottery for a <laughs> billion dollars. Somebody in L.A. County won one person, one ticket, $1 billion, the third largest ever. There were some consolation winners. Five of them won only a million. So it's a nice consolation prize. But imagine winning a billion dollars in that lottery and one person in L.A., who probably will be anonymous for as long as he can, did win that money. we got to get well, that here. I think that what you do is, and so if you, how does this usually work? If you want a billion dollars, they pay it out over a certain amount of time. You say, you know what? I'll just take six a six hundred million dollar check instead. Yeah, you have a choice of over okay. years or one lump sum. Okay, so after taxes, you get what maybe three million thirty three hundred eighty million. Something Out of like the that. one billion, I believe last time they said you would probably get like nine hundred and sixty million. So less than half, actually, with taxes and yeah, by yeah. taking it in one lump sum, you'd lose a little more, but. but and there's a more and there's more taxes that'll come out of this because you didn't work for it. It's like a gift. It, it, they take the, the tax structure is a little different, and um, so what you do is you take your whatever three hundred million whatever million billion yeah million dollars, and then you build a house like Donald Trump. Like what's that Mariposa? Is that what it's called? Uh, Mar logo, Mar logo, whatever. Whatever it is, yeah. this little house that where he kept all the. He, he stole from the Israeli government all the cool artwork that was supposed to be on loan to the White House. <laughs> he brought it to his house. Did you hear about that? Yeah. Anyway, so um, um, so you build a house like that, and then you put out a press press release to all your enemies and go, ha-ha, suckers! That's one thing. And I, when I I'm say, rich. The, you are not. The $980 million was based on a $2 billion lottery. I think that was the largest service. So you lose, a, wow. you lose a little more than half when you take the lump sum. But if you get it over 29 years, I think that's what they do. That's, they kind of set it on that. You'll get a little bit more overall, but then you, get a, you have to wait 29 years to get that final installment. Okay. So, and hopefully they live. it's not somebody who's like, 93 years old because you want to enjoy it right then you get the lump sum definitely <laughs> yeah and then now next step is you go on that uh what's that on the hg network what's that tv show lottery winners whatever people who win the lottery and then the real estate agent takes them out to buy a house oh is that, is that real it's a real show oh i didn't know it, that wow. it, it just specializes on lottery winning uh getting uh, their real estate I like now not everybody show. who wins the lottery wins uh you know it might be somebody who won two hundred thousand dollars Right, and they want to buy a you know a home, um, and then they had the the guy in Hawaii won two hundred thousand dollars, and he wanted to buy a home, and they went. <laughs> <laughs> they called him a sucker. Yeah, that, that didn't make that that ended up on the editing room floor. The um, anyway, um, so the the winning numbers for this were seven, ten, eleven, thirteen, and twenty. It says twenty four. 
with a Powerball of 24. I don't know what that it's means. It's like a bonus. I mean, you pick one number at the end. You pick the five numbers and then a bonus oh. number. I'm not sure why or how that would mean more, but that's what that meant. Okay, so the people that won, the, the they had the five numbers correct, uh, they got like a million dollars each or something like yeah, that? They're, yeah, yeah. So they got a million, and uh, they just didn't get the Powerball number. Right. What if your Powerball number was 23? So you had all of those, oh. and then 23, and they go, and it's 24. You're like, you'd be the first person disappointed to win a million dollars. Yeah, somebody probably, well, that's a good chance somebody could have been that close to it. But I yeah, I, mean, I guess you'd be happy winning a couple hundred thousand, of course. But, I mean, a billion is great. But, I mean, I would take the lump sum at my age, definitely. Uh, but it seems in a way bad, and it's sad in a way, not bad, but sad that you lose more than half the money. That's one of the things I can't get over. It's well, not a billion dollars if you take it right away, and it's still great, life-changing uh-huh. money. But I'm not even getting half of it. But you know what? On the on the big check they take a picture with, uh, it says a billion. Yeah. So you know, there bring you go. that to the bank. <laughs> yeah. The um um. <laughs> it just makes me think. Lucky we live in Hawaii. We don't have a lottery. <laughs> yeah, we have to worry about that. One less worry for us. Hence, hence we can't pay school teachers, and the DOE got a you know uh, got their budget cut from the legislature. Right. right. Well, let's keep that lottery out. Let's get the rail going. Let's make sure we have Skyline people moving, moving to the mainland. Yeah, let's make sure we get that to skyline going from nowhere to nowhere. Hey, look at what we've done. I passed it yesterday, and like a lot of people commenting on social media, I couldn't see one person on it. And oh, really? probably I, saw, I, saw, I couldn't see anybody. I saw a few people on it. I was because I was counting yesterday. I was at a stoplight and I was counting. There were like five, five people on it. Great. Success. You know what? If if I'm the mayor, I just put some mannequins on there. You know, like you're, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just put a bunch of mannequins on one of Inflated them. Inflated attendance totals, like they do for some sporting events. Yeah, exactly. Well, we're counting the people that work for the rail. Everybody yeah. has a holo card. They count as every train goes uh, by. We count uh, as well. It's like tickets sold, yeah, right? Not saying, actual. Yeah. yeah. All right, we we got to go. Uh, check out the afternoon show, of course, uh, Let's Talk Sports at noon. Off the bench uh, coming up at 3 o'clock with more from Las Vegas and Mountain West Media Days. We'll see you tomorrow here on uh, on uh, ESPN. The radio station is called ESPN Honolulu.